This is the MLW Radio Network. Time to start your day the right way with front row material. Starring ECW legends Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whitbrick. Now, let's welcome your host, Mike Freeland. Good evening and welcome. It's another Tuesday night. My name is Mike Freeland, and you are locked into Front Row Material. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We have ourselves a great, great episode for you guys tonight. Now, here's the thing. It's not just wrestling we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things on tonight's episode. But we have a phenomenal talent with us this week. Uh, We were so lucky to be able to squeeze him in. Schedules are busy, but you know what? We were able to pull it off and make it happen. Josh Woods is going to be joining us. You're going to be finding out so much about him, his career, his interests, everything. I might even ask him what type of pie he likes. I don't know. I'm not really quite sure. That's the kind of questions we ask here on the show. But we're glad that you're joining us. And uh, wherever you happen to be listening to us, Thank you for supporting our show as well. Our founders, Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck, we love these guys. They're always willing to help us out and lend a helping hand. So, Jerry, Mikey, we love you very, very much. And all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. You guys have given us great numbers all over on our downloads. Please, if you know a wrestling fan who would love to listen to interviews, conversations, and all things in between, definitely let them know that we are here. All right, let's get all that junk out of the way. Let's get to the reason why we're all here. And this is Josh Woods, a successful pro wrestler. We're going to learn all about his career. So right now, let's go ahead and bring him in. Josh Woods, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? Thanks for having me. I am good. It's uh, Where are you at in your neck of the woods right now? Is that like a last name joke, dude? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm in uh, Wesley Chapel, like Zephyr Hills, it's like uh, North Tampa, so like about 30, 40 minutes out of Tampa proper. Okay, so you you evaded that whole winter storm situation that hit the Northeast and the Midwest, and I mean, let's see. Currently, it is. You're gonna make a grown man cry right now. Well, it's 51 degrees in Florida, so I mean that's that's pretty cold for us. Oh, I would do anything for 51. I might even streak up and down my street to 51. Yeah, not dude. that anyone would necessarily want to see that, but 51, that's not bad. Hey, there's a market for every kind of body type, man. Don't don't downplay yourself. Hey, hashtag, I could be wrestling's Peter Griffin. I'm just telling you right now, we don't have that. Peter's great. That's right. Let me uh, let me just ask you, how you been as far as everything's been crazy with COVID and we thought we were done with it and now things are getting better. Are you able to stay healthy and just what are some things that you have done just to kind of make sure, hey, I'm doing everything I need to do, even though it's really, really hard to stay healthy? Uh, man, I mean, I work out every day and I try and go outside when I can. I walk my dog a lot. Uh, actually, I had COVID for the second time in December. Uh, yeah, that wasn't neat. And, like, nothing I could do about it. Uh, I mean, I take vitamins just like everyone else. About five days, a pretty sore throat, but other than that, a little bit of fevers and chill. But that was pretty done quickly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Pretty, I'm a pretty healthy guy. I don't know. I sound like, like a little weirdo, but I take my vitamins. I eat, I eat right. I'm exercising, man. What about you, dude? How has it affected you, man? You all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a school teacher, so I am in. Uh, You're, like, exposed. They're, like, Petri dishes, those kids. Every- Yes, 
Absolutely. And uh, I teach middle school. So between that and the BO, um, (laughs) it's a surprise that you get home every single day in one piece. Um, But, you know, so much of the the situation is just it's it's mental. It's psychological. You know, everybody people need people and we are creatures that need relationships with people and we need to talk and you know social distancing and social learning it is so difficult and it, it really fits perfectly into pro wrestling because you know when people were wrestling and there was no audiences that's got to be really hard because you get so much of your adrenaline and everything and you play off the crowd and the crowd's emotions um you definitely got to tip your hat to people who were wrestling during the pandemic with no crowds. How difficult is that in your opinion to wrestle when there's not many people around? Uh, I mean, what you're saying is true. You know, having, having fans and drawing from that kind of energy, it's, 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 it's really hard to describe what that feels like for people who have never done it. Um, yeah. So like you're, you're, you don't, that's, I, I think for me personally, I didn't, that was one thing I didn't really have to worry about when we were, when ring of honor was doing that was, Oh, man, I have to worry about this extra element. So now it's like, hey, we can tell the story in our matches. And and uh, and it, it did kind of suck to, you know, take, take some moves. And you're like, okay, there's no fans here. Why am I doing this? But, uh, you know, you're still caring to the fans at home watching. And and for me, like, I kind of, like, would joke around with the boys. and like, listen, man, like, just because that move isn't good, people at home might like it. And now you can just pretend that you're getting that reaction that you wanted. And then you're like, man, would shut up. I'm like, eh, no, I'm, just being, <laughs> I'm an optimistic guy, man. So, um it, it was a little weird at first, you know, it's, it's kind of weird seeing people come, like, when they do their entrance and they walk up and they get on the turnbuckle, like, they're still doing their thing to the people. And, like, that happened the first couple of shows, and then, like, everyone was kind of, like, talking smack to each other, and then that you see that notice it starts to die down a little bit. People just get in the ring, and they get to it. So, uh, I, it wasn't really that difficult. I think it kind of made things a little easier. It's just you could slow down a little more, and, and, and especially for Ring of Honor, because we were doing the pure wrestling, and and for 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 that specific style of wrestling introducing to the fans um slowly while they were at home might have been a little easier for us to do because that style is like a very particular style and then and i think like it definitely lets people appreciate a little more so when we came back it was it was it was um like a really it was really good for lack oh, of yeah, better terms so the first thing I'd love asking people is when it comes to wrestling, and you probably had this question a hundred thousand times, why wrestling? Like of all the things that you could do, what was it? And when did you realize that wrestling was something that, you know what, it just kind of, it got me the, the bug, if you will, no pun intended, but how, how and why was wrestling something that you decided this is what I want to do? Uh, well, the why, because oh, I'm good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. It was more of a kind of like an accident, really. Um, so when I, I had finished wrestling my senior year in 2014, and um, I had a mutual friend who did pro wrestling, and like, I never really thought about doing because I was doing MMA, and I'd been a casual fan as a child, so I uh, just was kind of more into fighting and you know worrying about my college career. Uh, I linked up with my buddy Alex, and uh, you know we trained a little bit. He's like, "Dude, you should contact uh, NXT. They would love to have guys like you." And I was like, "What?" So I didn't. That was I didn't think that was like an option. I was like, "There's no way like I would get into that because like I don't know." But like the more I talked about it, I was like, "People are like, dude, you should do that. You're like a total dork. Like you're you're a character. People would love it." 
I was like, huh? All right. So like I sent I sent them uh my accolades and uh, that I was interested and then they responded and they're like, You wanna try out? I was like, Well, okay. So uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried out two months later and then uh, I signed October two thousand fourteen, so a few months after I had tried out. And um yeah, I fell in love with it because um I just like I I um like I thrive in like learning. So when I transitioned from wrestling to BJJ and MMA, I was like, I engulfed myself in it because I just love competing. I love learning. I love being challenged. And like wrestling was very challenging, not so much the physical part, which was everything else. And like, I just, I just loved wanting to do it. And once it got released from NXT, you see a lot of people, they just either stop or they or oh, they stop or they keep going. Right. But uh, I was like, man, I'd spent the past two years of my life pretty much just dedicate to this. I'm not going to give up. And then I made it in the ring of honor. And then here we are now, four years later. Let's kind of touch upon the, the martial arts aspect of it, because the martial arts aspect, it fascinates me. Um, Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu. How do you land in and decide what type of discipline you want to study under or you want to learn? Um, well, at, originally I didn't want to fight. I wasn't like looking to, to compete. Uh, I just really was looking for something to do in between wrestling seasons in my college. Cause like I was really good at wrestling. I'm kind of have some, I have some accolades up there, but, uh, you got a few. Yeah. I have a couple national title, whatever that <laughs> dish posh. Um, <laughs> so like, uh, I, uh, Tom Lawler, who's a very accomplished, uh, MMA fighter and collegiate athlete, who at the time I didn't know he was into pro wrestling, but um, uh, he went to my school and I had asked our coach, like, hey, a coach's name was Jason. I go, hey, man, like, like, what did Tom do in between wrestling? He's like, I don't know, ask him. So I reached out to Tom and he got me up with uh, Seth Petrozelli, who at the time was fighting in Bellator and he owned a gym in Orlando, which was about 10, 15 minutes from me. And he's like, dude, you link up with my buddy Seth, you guys train. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. So in between my freshman and sophomore year, I trained with Seth. Uh, he had a fight coming up and I actually cornered him for that fight. And uh, we spent a lot of time wrestling and I wasn't really trying to get into MMA at all. I just wanted to just cross train or do something else. But I ended up just every time he trained, I trained. So I ended up getting a kind of like a crash course in advanced training. And, and I started to pick up on it pretty easily. Not not because like oh, I'm a great athlete, but like I'm used to learning and I'm used to like being hands on. So when you're competing with guys for such a high level, you either have to excel, accelerate, or you're lost. And because my wrestling is really good, the transition and body control and and positioning was was really easy because they kind of go hand in hand together. And then he was like, "Well, hey man, I got to spar later. You want to come spar with me?" I'm like, "No, I don't want to get hit. Don't hit. Me. I don't want that." <laughs> so then I got into like, doing some Muay Thai with him, and then I just started like just doing it more and more. And I had four fights in 2012 in like two months where I ended up um, fighting for the U.S. team in Sweden. And then I really wanted to focus more on wrestling. So during the off season of my junior and senior year, I didn't do any MMA stuff. I helped Seth, but I personally didn't do anything. And I cornered him for a couple more fights. And then when 2014 came, I was like, hey, WWE, I want to fight. And they're like, eh, maybe you shouldn't do anymore. And I'm like, oh, well, what does that mean? And then, uh, yeah, then I got signed. So I didn't, I didn't really like think, oh, well, there's boxing and jujitsu and Muay Thai. I just, I just did what Seth did, and then I ended up just liking it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Seth is the one who had 
uh, and I watched it live, which was wickedly awesome. The match with Kimbo Slice and the Gus Johnson call, which I just I mark out for Gus Johnson completely whenever he calls something. Um, that was a big deal. Yeah, he took a like a last minute fight with a, a guy who everyone thought would beat everyone, and Seth knocked him out in 13 seconds. I think that was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Love that. What type of person is, is Seth when you were, you know, obviously your relationship with him? What is he like as far as the way he, uh, his demand on his training schedule and how has that kind of influenced you? Um, pro prior to knowing Seth, I've always been very strict in the things that I do and the kind of the regimented lifestyle you have to have to compete at a high level. Uh, Seth is like kind of a nutcase. Like, dude is just, he's always training and he owns a gym. So, at that point where you're not like I was still in school at the time, so Seth, I think Seth might have finished his degree, but I'm not sure if he's doing it online or not. But I mean, he, when you own a gym and, and you, that's your sole responsibility, he was in there almost like all day, just training and being a part of it. And his diet is on point, does like extra work, comes in, helps other people. So like being around, like having that kind of like training partner really helps you stay focused. And being when I was in college, I was super like super determined to be successful where a lot of guys on the team would just want to oh like i want to make it to the nationals and i'm like well you don't want to win you don't want to win nationals and like a lot of people just kind of like want to make it to the show but they don't want to be like the star but right. i've always wanted to be the star i never wanted to just make it so i always set very high goals and high demands for myself and sets the exact same way you know if we're if we're in practice and we're training together and and, you know, I take him down or something. He just gets kind of upset. But if he taps me out, I get upset because we're both competitive. And and uh, you know, being around people who are motivated always motivates you. But uh, the reason we click so sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Continue. The reason we click so much is we're very alike as far as personality. People have this like misconception that MMA fighters and stuff were like really angry or or whatever. Like it's only like a negative connotation. But we're all kind of dorky. I mean, look at Riddle. Like no, one, like no one's like, man, that guy's angry, uh, you know. So, so yeah, we're kind of the same. We had like a lot of fun. We used to, like do kind of like silly things, and uh, like we would go downtown in a speedo and like a button-down shirt, just because it's funny, you know. It's just trying to just kind of be dorks, and, and who's really gonna mess with like guys that look like us? And we're, we're not like trying to start stuff with people. We're trying to have fun and just kind of be goofy and you know take a break from like all the seriousness that like training demands from you. So. We try to have fun in other ways. There's so many people who have trained with um, with wrestling and gone into pro wrestling, which obviously when I was super, super young, I was like, oh, wow, they're going to be like pro Olympic people. And then obviously I learned what pro wrestling was, and it's completely different. But, you know, people like the Kurt Angles and Brock's and Shelton Benjamin's, and, and the list goes on and on and on about people who were such high-level uh, amateur wrestlers. It's kind of neat to see people like that and then transitioning into the, the pro ranks in pro wrestling as well. Did you ever get a chance to maybe pick anybody's brains who had gone from the amateur wrestling, you know, the Jake Hagers, and then obviously coming into uh, pro wrestling and just kind of ask them, hey, what was your reasoning for wanting to to go into this after you'd spent so much time with it being a very very serious uh legitimate uh type of sport you know i never i never really asked anyone that question before actually i never never thought about it uh 
I spent a lot. I didn't spend a lot of time, but I spent enough time like with Gable, uh, just yeah. kind of like training from him and learning from him. But I never thought to ask him like what made him want to do it. Some sometimes I feel like people are like, oh, it's none of your business. I'm like, okay, yeah, because some people are motivated for different reasons. Uh, so that never really crossed my mind. But next time I talk to him, maybe I'll ask him like, hey, man, uh, what made you want to do it? I always love watching wrestling for the Olympic aspect of it because people dedicate their entire lives literally to getting to that moment. And so many people like with Jake Hager as well and yourself, I mean, competing at a high level collegiately, that is very daunting and very grueling. Um, talk to me a little bit about what that was like in college. I mean, what would your schedule be and, and how would you make sure that you're always staying on top of your game to continue to perform at such a high level under huge spotlight? Uh, I think it's a lot of it's mental toughness, you know, as like cliche and lame as that sounds, it's really, it's really putting like the pen to paper and uh, a typical day for me when I was competing would be wake up and train. So whenever time that was pretty early, like sometimes 6.30, sometimes 7. Um, some sort of training would be like a, like a, some sort of practice or like a run. And then um, classes, I was a personal trainer, so I could, I would, I train clients and uh, would swim a lot and then like wrestling practice and the gym and homework. So it's pretty much like nonstop. And at a certain point, you kind of get used to doing that. It feels weird when you stop. Uh, when like we were off season, I'm like bored. Like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> like I feel like such a loser. I'm like, well, I want to go train. So like, I guess MMA was like that outlet where I was able to like, like do that, like transfer my energy to something else and stay kind of busy. Uh, so like those those type of things like very, it's very regimented life and I feel like if you want to be good at it you kind of have to make sacrifices and and wrestling is definitely like not one of those like seasonal sports most sports aren't uh, if you're if you're dedicated or good at them you do them all the time to stay good uh, so like I missed out on a lot of things like nationals was during spring breaks so like in college like spring breaks like a really big deal for a lot of people um, I never got to experience that. Uh, all four years I missed all spring breaks so, like I never really got to like experience that real college experience but you know you don't miss what you don't have so like I never really cared too much about that kind of stuff because like I was very disciplined and then like a lot, some people are like oh that's really cool but like like I, I kind of feel kind of lame man because like I never I didn't drink a lot in college and because I was so focused on training and, and even I worked at a bar so it's just like well you don't you don't drink like no dad's training and like three hours <laughs> drinking uh so i spent so much time like, you know being real strict and i'm kind of like really lame now and like i don't really do a lot so like, even now i don't really drink a lot or yeah like so after shows the boys like you know let's we'll have a beer i'm like i'll have a water sounds like really gave me a hard time when we were tagged he was like oh you're drinking water josh like come on man i'm like no i'm good dude i'm just gonna drink this water and lime and I'm real lame so yeah, it's, it's kind of it kind of translates over. So, so talk about some of your accolades here, because obviously you have a plethora of them. But, but tell some of our audience about some of the things that you you achieved, because you have a, a lot of credentials behind you. Uh, I'm not sure. Wait, which way is it going? Oh, that's okay. So that way, that's it. So that one right there, that first one, that's when I won nationals in college as a freshman. Um, 2011 was, what, what did I do? What was I 19 and one, I think was my record that year. 
Uh, that's that's pretty good, I guess. And then you know my sophomore, wait, which one? Sophomore, sophomore, junior, senior. Uh, I end up taking second, fourth, and third. Uh, I know it's weird. You go start at the top and you're going downhill. Uh, yeah, my sophomore year, kind of like I'm coming off being a national champ, so defending is really hard. It's like super stressful. Um, like I put a lot of unnecessary pressure on myself. Like there would be times if someone like score on me in practice, I would throw like a little bitch fit and I'd get mad. Like I was like, yo, this is something like throw stuff. Like yo, I'm just so angry because like you like put such a high level of stress like on yourself and you're demanding so much and and, and like no one was putting that pressure on me but myself. Uh, so you know, and then my sophomore year and uh, overtime, uh, double overtime and semifinals, I blew my knee out. And uh, everyone's like, oh, it blew my knee out. I can't, you know, whatever. But, no, I really did. And uh, so I ended up wrestling in the finals anyway because, like, oh, whatever. And then, like, I lost in the finals. Oh. So, like, that was just like, meh. And then just, there's, like, you know, third and fourth, whatever. So, yeah, so I'm a national champ, a runner-up, and a four-time All-American, four-time conference champion. Wow. Uh, I was two-year team captain. And um, I think my record is... Uh, what's it say? 108 and 16 and wow. 54 pins. So half of my wins are by pin. Tell me a little bit about when you go from the amateur ranks and a lot of people end up wanting to go and then transition to Olympic training. Um, we've heard a little bit about that, but you know, obviously we're novices. We haven't, you know, been in that situation before. Josh, what would it? What is the next step if if somebody who's been very successful in college wants to take that next step? And how difficult? And what do you have to do to to start training for something like that? Uh, I'm not super familiar with people who do college and then go to the Olympics because uh, they're not the same style. Uh, sure, coll collegiate wrestling is folk style, and the United States is the only country that does folk style. So I, I'm pretty sure if you if you're if you have Olympic aspirations, you start very young and you're doing freestyle and Greco because the rules are very different in college. Uh, you're not doing them. So it's like that's what you want. You don't really go to college. I think you start going to the Colorado, uh, the facility in Colorado to train in the Olympics. So I think there's like one or two colleges that do um, the Olympic, like specific Olympic wrestling. And like they, I think they rotate in some of the college tournaments. But um and that's like a very different style that I didn't like it. I wasn't a big fan of the rules and folk style and Greco. So I just didn't want to do it because people ask like, well, you didn't want to go to the Olympics. So like, yeah, it'd be cool if they did folk style, but they don't. So I was like never into freestyle and Greco. So I never wanted to do it. So tell us a little bit about, you know, because we're novices, what, what would be the difference between folk style and in Greco Roman? And what was the, the difference as to why you would say, Hey, I'm not really a fan of that. Uh, well, in high school, I was pretty small. I wrestled like 145. I was a very tiny guy. Uh, so I wasn't like super strong or anything. And like Greco to me was all upper body. Uh, there's no leg. You can't like touch the legs or attack the legs. And, and I, I liked shooting. I like like taking shots and attacking legs. So I was like, well, that's already gone. I don't want to do that. Um, so the like freestyle and Greco or freestyle and folk style different. A lot of like their point scoring system. Um, just like a small example, if, if I just expose your back, it's like if you're, you can be flat and you can essentially like avoid being turned, but if I expose you just a little bit, it's automatically two points. But in folk style, if I expose your back, I have to keep you there for, I believe it's three seconds just to get points for freestyle, just a quick point exposure. And then like 
uh, if someone is flat and I can't lock my hands in folk style while they're while they're on the ground, that's uh, I think it's a warning. It might be one. I think it's a warning now. I'm not sure if the new rules, but in freestyle, that's encouraged. Like because you have to gut wrench and stuff. Like the the amp the the amplitude of the throw. So um, in freestyle, you can do a five point throw, which is like arching, like feet to back, is is um, legal. But in folk style, that's illegal. So you can't really slam people as aggressively. I mean, you can. There's ways to get around that I've done it a couple wow. of times, but yeah, it's so like those kind of rules are different. Even like the referee's positioning is different, like parterre versus just referee's position. Um, I could get on my floor and show you, but I can't. Cause I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like, there's just some a lot a lot of different rules like that. Just point scoring system was something I just didn't. I just wasn't really into it that much. More lifting and didn't really work out in high school. It's like, eh, I don't want to do that. Being in pro wrestling, you know, you have you come across some people who've done a lot of amateur wrestling where you have something, you know, in common that you can kind of talk about and, and kind of reminisce on some things? Uh, yeah. I mean, NXT was like my first really big exposure to other, like other accomplished, uh, wrestlers. Uh, you know, there was, uh, I'm trying to think of their real names now because everyone's got two. Um, uh, Sawyer Fulton, what was his name? Jacob, Jacob Southwick. Uh, he yes. was an accomplished uh, amateur wrestler. Uh, Levi Cooper, uh, Chaz Betts. Uh, what's Dawkins' real name? Well, whatever, whatever it is. I can't remember. It's Dawkins. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, like it was cool being around those guys and like trying to learn from them. And and uh, now more so on the independence. Um, Ooh, I don't, how do I phrase that without sounding like a total prick? Uh, a lot of people and, say they train or they're like, oh, yeah, do this or that. And you're like, I've watched you. I don't think you do. Uh, <laughs> so that's always been interesting. A lot of people like, it's, it's cool to like to train in it. And yeah, it's awesome. But you can, you, like when you're really good at something, you can tell when people aren't really like how good they say they are. If that makes right. any sense. No, it does. Yeah, so like it, it, I don't know. I think it's cool that people are trying to do other things and and to excel in other sports or add add things so their arsenal, so they they can be more marketable or or better in our new sport, which is uh, pro wrestling. But yeah, I haven't really encountered like too many high level amateur guys on the Indies. Ray Jazz. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's a very accomplished amateur wrestler, and like we're cool. I think we're wrestling soon. I think we're wrestling in April, April 10th in New York for Catalyst Wrestling. I think we're, we're going to do a Pure Rules match. I'm really looking forward to that, actually. Oh, that should be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I just hope he doesn't throw me on my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you go from this extensive career with being a wrestler and training and doing all these things. Did you feel like once you got into NXT and training there and whatnot – that it wasn't as hard as it would have been for people who had not gone the road you had gone? Or did you feel like what they had put you through was just as equally as grueling? Um, I don't know how to answer that without getting people getting mad at me. Feel free uh, to be honest, however you want. <laughs> to be honest, I kind of thought the training was easy. Um, I, so I had, we had the, the trial. I'm not sure what the trials are like now. Um, just because I'm not there, but um, I remember 
so like right after my like I had almost finished wrestling for maybe like a couple months and I was still training at the time so I wasn't out of shape by any means but like they're very cardio heavy it's almost like here let's just try to kill you and I was like all right so like I was in really good shape and it was like very easy and like people are like throwing up I'm not kidding I've seen I haven't really seen too many athletes like die in training just because they were like in college we're all like in pretty good shape but Man, I just seen these like these like dudes that look in shape and they're like gassing out. And I was like, do better. Uh, so like, <laughs> like <laughs> you just the, the the training is it's not as intense. And I'm sure, yeah, you can you can make someone do blow up drills and they're gonna get tired. But I mean, like, it was, I didn't think it was as intense. Like the only like part, like the only part that was the hardest was like the mental strain of like having all these small components to worry about and uh those types of things were, were difficult but as far as the training itself i don't even think it's close to being as intense as like a combat sport is yeah and even collegiate i i would not even put that in the in the same category once again no offense to, to pro wrestling yeah not, yeah like, I mean, obviously i'm not saying oh pro wrestling is easy right it's, just, it's yeah it's, it's, it's different it's not but but i mean it's, I, I don't think they're comparable by any means. Oh, well, by some team. means, not, not a lot. So what would you say were some of the really high spots that you learned while you were there? I mean, who were some of the people who had some really good advice to give you as far as adapting and how to kind of enter the world of pro wrestling? Any really interesting conversations during that time? Um, are you talking about NXT specifically? Correct. Okay, um, so I spent a lot of time with Norman Smiley. That was like my main coach. I, could, I think just because stylistically it made sense for me to be with him. Uh, Adam Pierce as well was like I spent a lot of time with Adam. So those two are like my main my main peeps. They're the best. Uh, I got to spend some time with Billy before uh, he left NXT, and then we spent a lot of time together after I got released. Uh, it's like that. Just sitting under that tree is like incredible. And um, as far as like other people, I know like John Cena came in one time and uh, I think it was like Buddy Murphy, myself, and maybe it might have been Blake. I know there's one more person there, but like, we were just kind of in, they have like a, like a ring, but it's not like wood in it. It's like crash patty. So it's like all soft, which is like awesome. It's like a big, it's like a big mattress. You like practice all the moves on and like we're sitting there like messing around and like John walks in and he's just like shooting the shit with us and we're just like, Hey man, hey, it was cool to talk to John for a little while. Um, it's kind of hard to like. Well, I guess that depends who you are. But for me specifically, I didn't think like I could walk up to someone like working out in the gym. Like like Taker was there a couple times, and uh, I got to like I got to drop like an elbow on Taker's leg and like work it for a couple minutes. It was really cool. And like this is the point where I had I hadn't even like learned how to lock up yet. Like we were just doing like <laughs> drills and running and hitting the ropes. He was, he was talking to Bill uh, Demont at the time was the coach. Uh, he's talking to Bill and then like talking to our class. So we're the beginner class. And he's like, Hey, shooter, come work my leg. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> I'm just like, wow. Well, okay. He goes, all right, man, just drop this elbow on it. And I was like, yes, sir. Okay. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. And I'm like working it. And he's like talking and like work with me. I was like, yeah, this is the best ever. Cause like I'm a huge Undertaker fan. So like, yeah, that was like really cool for me. So that was probably like the highest moment I've ever had, uh, at nxt um i talked to mark henry a couple times when he was in the in the weight room because sometimes those guys will come in while we're working out and that that environment's a little easier to talk to them but 
like when they're trying to get in the ring for rehab or to work on something, you know, it's not very easy to to talk to them. Samoa Joe is really cool. He offers a lot of advice. I like I didn't personally have like individual conversations with him, but he like had talked to groups or or you know had, had been guests in class and stuff. And I, there's a lot of people there that I learned from as well, like talent wise. It seems like the way you describe it, they had a pretty good program. Would you say that looking back at it now, where you are in your career, um, having done this for quite a long time now, do you think that that was they covered everything and they really hit upon the most important things early on for somebody in their career? Uh, yeah, they, I think they do a pretty good job of laying the foundation for um, – anyone trying to get into wrestling because i mean you can watch all the different products and see the different styles like wwe has a style roh has a style aw has a style uh impact has a style so like, they kind of prepare you for just the wwe style which is cool because that's where you work that's the company you work for uh so like you're very versed in like that style so when i left like i'm like all right guys we're gonna do it like this they're like hey man this isn't wwe dude you can do it differently if you want i'm like what are there other ways <laughs> so like they do a great job of like planning it in your head and and stuff so yeah i'm trying to think of like there's like the aspects they cover you know they do work on character development and promo stuff and i think one of like, the hardest things there is like you have so many people that are knowledgeable and, and like in your ear you know, like at the time, yeah, like Billy Gunn, you know, Bill DeMott, Matt Bloom, uh, Norman, Adam, uh, Terry, and Brookside. So, like, you get all of it. It's like, well, I wouldn't do that. I'm like, well, yeah, Billy, you're 6'5", 280. Like, of course you're not going to do a double leg takedown, man. Like, <laughs> okay, I won't do it either. You know, it's just like, I, I don't know. But I, and then, like, you know, you just get so many different things, and it's almost overwhelming and like, you know, looking back at it, you're asking like every single coach, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Because you want approval and and like you just want feedback because you you want more. At least for me, like as a as a as an athlete, like a, a combat athlete, like I want more. I want like the next thing. So I'm always trying to get, hey, what can I do more? Like, what's this? What can I do for that? So that was just overwhelming. And like sometimes now, you know, talking to the boys, you know, if you ask too many people too many things, you're gonna get so many different responses because we all wrestle differently or whatever it's so like at that point uh, or now i have to like really pick and choose like who i ask for critiques or whatever because not everything applies to everybody uh you know go ahead you had just mentioned earlier um the wwe style and we hear so much about they have their own style so what is when when they say the wwe style what does that mean exactly uh, what do you think of like a, oof, this, is, this is a very interesting question to ask. I'm putting me in the spot. Uh, cause then it's like, well, are they shitting on this time? No, uh, I think like there, it's, it's a very, it's a very, so it's like basic formula of a match. Um, and I'm not saying you don't know what it is, but some people don't know what it is. And sure. you gotta think the, when everyone, and when you, people teach it differently, but you have like a oh man, I gotta see if I know it. Hold on, <laughs> it's like the like the shine, the cut off, the heat, come back, and the finish. Like the five things that make up a match. And if you if if it's not like a, a heavy story, like a main event match or something, you can probably watch a match and like know what part is coming up just based on the moves. 
And so like that style is just, it's kind of very formulated and people are kind of doing the, not the same things, but it's structurally about the same. Um, I know like in, in the ring of honor, it's a little more fast paced or I know I speak for myself and like guys like Gresham and, and you know, lethal and, and like the Briscoes, you know, we, we have, it's all like wrestling is all like kind of the same thing. Like those are the typical five things. But now if we take like some parts and move them or components in one and move it here, it's a little different, but like, you're definitely not going to do like a striking sequence in in the shine in WWE. But like I did it last week in the, in the shine of the head, do a strike exchange real quick, you know, just to mix it up and add make things different. And sometimes they, well, I guess I wasn't at that experience level was where I could have tried to do it, but I've heard where they don't really encourage like a lot of that kind of stuff. But would you would you get any there? Would huh? you would you get any type of grief? Or I mean, would they come? You know, hey, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. Was it very much like that, correcting you, or was it more of hey, you know, going through a tutelage aspect of it? Uh, at, for me personally, no, I was very very a b c and d because i i I didn't know enough i didn't know any better to be an individual but i had seen other guys come in and they were trying to like tame them down or 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 or, um like pull them in i remember like andrade or la sombra when when he came in and uh like he was doing a lot of wild stuff i was like damn they can let you do that he's doing like top rope ranas to the floor on like the first match and it was like they don't like that on the first match and like, Hey, you know, they don't, you don't do that. You know? So yeah, I didn't experience that cause I personally just didn't have the experience to, to, to go um, against like the systems, so to speak, but nothing wrong with their system. Cause it works right. They're a multi-billion dollar company. There's nothing wrong with it. They're, they're doing uh, something so, right. Yeah. They're doing something right. So yeah. So like I saw it and like heard, I've heard about it, but personally I just wasn't, uh, good enough to to think for myself. As far as you know, promos and character development for somebody, and I don't know personally who may not be because I've talked to Jerry Lynn about this a ton of times, and Jerry has said to me, you know, I wasn't the most outgoing person. In fact, I would classify myself as shy, and I didn't really want to talk. And Mikey would tell me the same thing. He would say, you know, in the ring, I can perform because it's not just solely me and when it comes to talk on the microphone that's a completely different world where it is completely you know based upon what you have to say how you deliver it all of that what was your thoughts on you know developing how do i speak on the microphone or a promo were you naturally super confident and outgoing before you had gotten there or was that something that just had to come with time and experience uh I'd like to say I think I have like a natural charisma, but knowing like when we had promo classes and and things like that, for a little while for the beginners there, there's, you're just trying to like just get comfortable talking. And uh, Dusty was the was the promo coach at the time, so like learning from Dusty was like really awesome just to kind of just like hear him talk and just to sit to sit there and you know hear stories and. And try try things and they have like a promo room where you go in and you like type in like your little keypad and and then you record it and you guys can watch it back and the coaches watch it so if you, know, you think you're cutting a good promo for this character you're trying to develop you go you go hey uh coach bloom i recorded this promo for this character i'm trying can you watch it and tell me what you guys think so like that option was there 
uh, I, I recall the time you're like, I was never, I never made it to TV or I didn't have like a character per se. So you're just really trying to stick stuff to see what sticks on the wall. And, you know, and at, at that time you're just trying to figure it out, figure out what works and like, well, what worked for Baron Corbett is not going to work for Josh Woods or like aspects of it might. And, and like Regal was in a lot and like he was, he was very, very helpful. And obviously he's really good at that kind of stuff. So I remember, I remember I like I was trying this, uh, I don't know why I think Dusty's like, just try something like just That's just not you. It's just, just going to make you comfortable. And just like, you can have fun with it. I came with this like snot rich kid character. And like, I was like, Oh my, my dad paid for all these like training partners. And like, that's how I got cauliflower ear. Cause yeah, we paid for these private coaches and that's how I got good at MMA and blah, blah, blah. So like that, that allowed me to kind of come out of my shell and, and they just get comfortable talking as this character and, and like fast forward to now, I just like have more experience and like have more of an idea who Josh Woods is and you know, doing the stuff with the foundation and like really, really being into the pure style of wrestling has definitely helped shape how I think or, or when I'm talking about someone like why, why I'm talking about them a certain way or why I would wrestle them if they're, you know, as cliche as it sounds, like if they're like an honorable person or they're dishonorable, you know, so things like that. It seems like there's so many things that can just occupy so much of your mind, you know, outside of the, the training itself and learning how to, you know, do the psychology in the ring and perform the moves. And then on top of it, you got to learn, well, how do I talk and how do I cut a promo and how do I develop a character? I mean, I feel like there's a lot going on and there's a lot of pressure that I'm sure people put on themselves. Yeah, there's, there's a lot, man. And and like when you're new, you're just trying to like, you're, you're trying to not get lost. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to ask questions. You're trying to, well, what can I do? What do you guys want from me? Uh, and you're not always getting that there. So you're like, well, if you don't know what you want, how am I supposed to know what you want? So you're doing a lot of like second guessing or like stressing. And, and yeah, like that was hard. Like, cause like I know, I know I don't have, in this world, you don't have control over it. Um, like I can't make them put me in a storyline. I can't make them uh, push me, but like I can only work hard. And and sometimes I just don't have anything for you. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. We just don't have anything. I'm like, it's cool. You know, but like you know, when you're in like a, a hmm, real sport, uh, as, as like taboo as that sounds, uh, like when you're in like a, a uh, God, don't cancel me. <laughs> oh my God, no. Uh, uh, like in wrestling, like in college, hey, like I wanted to be the starter, so I can beat you, and now I'm the starter, and I can control that. I want to compete in this tournament, and I'm going to go compete in it, and if I win, it's because I won. Uh, like wrestling is very subjective, and someone's putting you in a position, and like sometimes that's hard to deal with as like as an athlete who is used to being in control of their life and and how they how you measure success, like how you measure success in pro wrestling is very different. And uh, sometimes, like I still struggle with that a little bit because I'm so used to being in control of uh, of my narrative, so to speak. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard letting go of some of that control, especially when you're in um, a more of entertainment line of work, where, like you said before, it is so subjective, and no matter what you do, it's still not necessarily in your hands. It's in the hands of the powers that be and i can definitely see where that would make some people put their heads against a wall yeah it's it's definitely difficult sometimes and i've been very fortunate to have people that have like had my back and like i come like call a time 
um i feel bad for jay lethal because like we're really close and i'm like hey jay man what do you think about this like dude no <laughs> i'm always <laughs> running stuff by jay and bothering him and you know, just, i'm very fortunate to have like that outlet of someone who's been like as accomplished as he is and and if you've ever talked to jay he's an amazing human and yes and like one of the most selfless individuals i know and he's like always trying to help and like I know sometimes, like, I definitely stress them out. I probably give them frustrated. I'm very frustrated to deal with to ask a lot of questions. It's not, because, <laughs> it's not because, like, I'm trying to bother them. I just don't really know. I don't have a lot of experience in, like, some of the stuff I have to deal with right now. <clears throat> so having that outlet has been really great. Well, and I think a lot of people, when when you don't ask, you don't know. Yeah, you can't and, go to and ask for it. Exactly. And I think a lot of people, they don't feel comfortable asking. But once again, from your background, you're, you're thirsting for this knowledge. You're wanting to know you have been, your entire life has been bred on, Hey, what do I need to do? How do I do this? Blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, now you're in an industry where it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. Um, Just a little. Would, would you say uh, with athletes like yourself, the next in line concept that they have the NIL uh, with, with WWE, do you like that concept now where it's more of a, a transitional portal for people like yourself who are uh, college athletes who have trained their whole lives to segue into uh, a developmental? Or do you think that, you know what, they could just go right into a training? Um, man, it's hard to say because like I'm not experiencing what that is like firsthand, so I don't <clears throat> really really know like what's the best answer. But I think like having the ability to segue into the sport is great. I'm sure most of those athletes could just come right into training and excel. So um, <clears throat> I think like any program that reaches out and like tries to to help any college athlete to get to like the next level or like find the next profession if it's not in that field i think it's an awesome opportunity and and like having <clears throat> i think being different uh right like if i came from football or i came from wrestling or i came from high lie i'm a different athlete so like my brain will think different i'll move different uh, my reflexes are different but if i only know pro wrestling i'm i'm, I'm one dimensional where you know guys that guys and girls that have that different background i think it's great I think um, I think like I think that's more beneficial to the business because people who um, are coming in like already have like an understanding of like respect and discipline and they're going to work hard because they're used to doing it. And uh, there are people that just kind of come in and expect things to be given to them like, oh, I've been in, I've been on the Indies for 10 years. Like I'm here. I deserve this. I earned it or, or however mindset they have that they think things should be given to them. And <clears throat> I'm not saying everyone's like that. I mean, we've all seen both sides, but people who are coming from that background of, of, of uh, like a college level, they want to keep learning and growing. And they're mo most of them are pretty good. They're they're not like jerks or whatever. So like they want to, they have a thirst for knowledge, and they're going to keep working hard. Not saying like the average person that comes in, hey, I want to be a pro wrestler, but there's a different kind of mentality that comes to it. It's a different mindset completely because that's what you've, that's all you know, that's in your DNA is, is to be a champion and to train and do this and to do that. So let's kind of progress here. You know, you, you leave WWE and then obviously you start uh, doing some things on the indies. 
What was it like, you know, getting onto the indies and what were your experiences like? Obviously, you're, you know, you're fresh out of this, this world that wanted you to do things a certain way. Did you have some level of freedom or feeling like, man, I can really start to explore a little bit more of who I am and try some different things and maybe step out of a comfort zone when you were working on the independence in the beginning? Um, so right after NXT, I, I didn't really do a lot of independence i just I, going from college to nxt and then you know being released in that that short window between nxt and roh um it was kind of hard to get onto shows uh i didn't have that independent background so like there are a lot of guys that have connections when they go in because they they come from the independence and and they have those relationships and like i didn't have that so like i didn't really get to explore too much and um I, again, like I was only—I was barely in two years, you know, so I didn't know that I could be more, I could be different, I could be—I um, could be the Josh was that I am now. I didn't know that that person existed, so I didn't have the confidence or experience to be like, "Hey, I can do things different." It took me until all this time, the, the past four years of being a Ring of Honor, to learn like, "Hey, there's more than one way to do things. There's a different you out there." and and I think like this version of myself is the best version um, and forever, forever learning and growing. Uh, now, you know, this question is relatable to now because um, I'm just getting into the independence and trying to build those relationships. So uh, like that's been pretty difficult too. And, and that's like a, a also reverting back to our earlier conversation about like the mental strain and stuff because, you know, I, I can't make a person book me I can't make someone want to, me to be on their show, no matter how hard I'm working, and I can't control that. And and let's let's be honest, there are some not good wrestlers out there. Let's be real; that's, that's a real thing. There there are some not good college athletes. They're still college athletes, but it's like, uh, are you though? You know, it's like that's kind of hard to to be like, man, like I could do that. And then you know, it isn't it isn't like a negative thing, but you know, because you want you want to be like on, on that higher elevated level, you know, seeing some of the guys like that have had that prior experience, like ROH kind of shuts down, they're on this hiatus and they're right back to doing bookings again. It's like, well, I want that too. Like, how do I get that? And it's not coming from a place of like an, of negative. It's like, man, like I, I want that too. So I'm, I'm really trying to build these relationships with people because like I love wrestling, man. Like I, I think I'm good at it enough to keep going uh I, I love what i do and like i love like interacting with people and like being in front of everyone and like meeting people and stuff so it's something i'm really trying to be really good at and like this part's been hard uh this trying to navigate this like independent waters and reaching out to people and responding and figuring out how this side of the business works and and again i'll go back to jay I go hey jay man what do i say as a promoter like uh what do i do they said this what do i say so it's just like a lot of hey man help me please dude i, I need help like that's right now has been a, it's been a little difficult and like some some days are better than others man You're like dude I've, i reached out to 10 promotions and none of them are responding but it's like oh what do i do and it's just it's just a matter it's just a there's a lot of people out there right now and and it's just it's a whew, there's a lot so i'm just you know trying to keep my head up and like and just make these relationships I think that's the like we said before the the hardest thing too is is you know you put so many out there and you may only get one or two calls back and it is frustrating especially with everything that's gone on with ROH 
Have you been told any more information about um, what may be or anything to that nature? Um, I, any, I wish any I had, man. Looper? Um, I, I don't really know if any of us have been told anything besides John, because that's the only match that's been announced. Uh, like none of us have heard anything. You know, when I talk to, I'm not sure what you guys know him as, or I'll just say our Booker, but I'm sure you know. I'm sure you know his name. Uh, you know, talking to him as like, this was maybe a little while ago, I said, "Hey, man, like, am I gonna be on this show?" Like, you know, we're all curious about our, where our spots are now. This is like this is a real serious issue, man. Um, you know, they took a lot of they took good care of us during the pandemic and stuff, but this was like a blow, man. This really, this really was an adjustment. And uh, they said, like, yeah, you're gonna be on the show. So um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm on the show. Like, I would, you know, I, I like, I love Ring of Honor, man. They, they've had their hand in like every every major organization, and their the talent pool that they've created is everywhere. Their fingerprint is forever in this business. So um, I like to be a part of that new era. Uh, none of us have really heard anything, which is surprising considering what is today. The eighth, it's coming up, man. So hopefully soon, like they're gonna contact us and stuff. So we'll see. So you know, you had a very brief time with the Indies before. Obviously, you said the Ring of Honor came about. How did that come about exactly? Who contacted whom? How did those conversations all start out? And then, obviously, walking into Ring of Honor, uh, it had to have been a really good feeling to say, "Hey, you know what?" I really would like to put my roots down somewhere. So how did the whole ring of honor relationship begin? Uh, so, so what was his, uh, Steve Macklin, who is an impact right now. Uh, he came from the monster factory and, uh, I was just, uh, there are a lot, I made a lot of good friendships in NXT and like I reached out, I asked some of the guys like, Hey man, I could just use a little bit of help. If you could just kind of point me in the right direction, some people to contact. So, uh, Steve gave me Danny Cage's number and, um, I contacted Danny, and uh, he's like, hey, man, you can come up to this camp I'm doing in October. Uh, I think I'd been released in July, end of July. So um, so I went up there, uh, which was, whew, that was fun. Uh, no, that actually was fun. Uh, so uh, I went up there, and then um, I was rolling around with LSG, and I was, like, just kind of, I was there for the camp. I helped out and, you know, and showed some stuff, and, participated did a QA and a whatnot which was a really cool experience you know because i'm like people want to talk to me about stuff all right i'll talk to them cool uh so i rolls rolling out uh, lsg who has been in ring of honor at the time and uh bob evans was there and bob saw me and lsg rolling around he's like hey not bad i was like thanks man so he's like you know roh having a trial camp next month you should go i was like okay and, and he's like, yeah, I mean, I'll talk to him for you. So um, uh, I I contacted um, Delirious and sent them my stuff. And Bob had already contacted them for me. So I went to the tryout camp, which almost didn't happen because we were in hurricane season down here. And my flight had got canceled. So I was in Orlando at the time. So I drove three hours home to try to make a flight. Uh, which is a Fort Lauderdale that got canceled. I was like, "Well, not gonna make it." Because so then, like, I my uncle lives in Atlanta, so I ended up driving like ten or eleven hours that day to Atlanta. Uh, luckily, I was able to make it. I made my flight there. I paid for my own hotel. 
I put myself up like they didn't they didn't you know take care of me like that I, I don't think they do that for camps I'm not really sure I'm not saying like they're bad but like I invested in myself sure rightfully so so uh, I did like that like a three-day trial camp or two, two days I think man was so long ago and uh I, I had a pretty good experience there and like they kind of evaluated you and got a lot of yeses I got like one no I'm like Oh man, <laughs> but uh, then I ended up uh, staying in contact with uh, the office and and uh, Delirious and uh, Top Prospect Tournament came around and the rest is uh, Wikipedia. You know, I, 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 made I was it. just about to say the rest is, is history. The rest is history. I made it. I did. You have been such a staple with Ring of Honor and you've had such an incredible career. Has there been any moments where or maybe I should say a moment, um, and this might be kind of hard to answer, but when you feel like everything finally clicked, everything finally gelled, like you're like, okay, this this is a moment where I feel like everything is hitting on all cylinders. Like I get it. I'm into this groove now. I really feel like everything that I've been you know, learning and studying and trying to get this together, it all kind of just kind of came together. Yeah, I remember that exact moment actually. Like, uh, it was like my favorite moment to talk about. Uh, so, I think up until this point, I really hadn't done a lot. Like, I was still kind of trying to like make my mark or or, or keep growing and improving, improving why I should be there. Because if you look at our roster, like at any point, it's stacked. Like, yes, I mean, I'm biased, man, but I think Ring of Honor is like one of like the most talented rosters. Just, just, just the skill level is is incredible. And uh, it's really hard to get lost in that if you're not as good as everyone else. And like, I never felt like I, I never felt I was as good as as where I should have been. And that's also me putting pressure on myself and expecting more. And and that was at the point where I'm like, man, I like what am I? I can't I can't do anything, you know, because I don't have control over that. Like my training was good, everything was good. And uh, so Silas and I had just I think we had just started um, like our our our, our team together. And uh, you know we were we were doing our thing, and we ended up wrestling the Briscoes for the number one contender for the tag titles. And uh, I was stressed because I've worked the Briscoes before. Uh, I worked Jay, and I had like no reason being in the ring with Jay. So, like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's not, that's not the greatest match that I've ever had. I was definitely, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about that one. But I definitely didn't deserve it. I shouldn't have been in that match, but I was, and thank God I kept up. Um, and I wrestled Mark a little bit after, which was a lot better, a lot better. Um, so it's Silas and I, uh, I'm thinking, man, like I'm in the ring with the Briscoes and Silas. Like I remember just being really stressed about it and, and we're putting this match together and like, I'm adding things and I'm like, Hey man, that just doesn't make sense. We should try this and that. And they're listening and, and they're asking me what I want to do and my input and stuff. And I was thinking like, Chase asked me what I want to do. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. You're going to take one of these boys. Yeah. So I, remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember, I remember like, uh, I watched, I, well, I came back after the match, like people liked like, dude, man, that was awesome. You know, you did great. And like, I was, I'm, I'm a very nervous competitor. Cause like, I just demand a lot for myself. And, and, uh, Jeff Cobb is like, Hey man, like that was like probably one of your best matches. Like you looked like you belonged there with those guys. And, it didn't look like it was three people and Josh was with like four stars in there. And like that like really resonated with me because like I I look up to Jeff a lot and I admire him and he's he's an incredible talent and he's just a great human all around. Uh so 
you know, I talked a lot with Jeff when he was there, and he's like, hey, man, just be confident in yourself because you're good. And uh, I remember watching that match back after it aired, and I was like, damn, dude, like, I definitely, like, I, I, I didn't get overshadowed by those guys. Like, it was just four really good wrestlers in there. Like, after that, I kind of had, like, a newfound confidence. And, and um, yeah, I think that was, like, the pivotal, you made it moment. You know, you did it. Yep. You're doing it. You're, you're on the right track. It's neat when you hit that moment where it's, like, everything that you've put into it, it all of a sudden, you know, light bulb goes off. But then you kind of start morphing. You know what I mean? Like before you start morphing into, hey, I'm going to throw suggestions out and then other people are responding back. And now it's almost you feel like you're accepted into this this fraternity, if you will. And we've yeah. heard a lot of wrestlers say that before. And that's like their their coming out moment where it's like, wow, this is really this is where I want to be. And this is where I want to take it to the next level. Because before, and if I can kind of touch upon when you were talking about, you know, in my collegiate career, I always had control over certain things and I had control over, you know, how I could do things to succeed. Now, obviously, you're back almost at that point where, oh, if I can do this and this and this with these guys, now I can start to go ahead and start climbing again. So it it had to have been a good feeling to know, all right, now I'm I have a little bit more control over what's next. Yeah, like definitely like it started to get like the elevated status, like so to speak. And then and then once like the pure stuff hit, I was like, this is definitely where I'm going to shine because like that's a right up my alley. And and I just even get more confidence and just started believing in myself a lot more. And, and just the way that those matches are structured and how they're supposed to be. And you can just, it's just totally different. And it's what makes it unique. And like I thrive on it because like just my brain is constantly thinking about wrestling and like i don't sleep a lot and i'm like man what if i do this i'm trying to do that i guess i i'm a weirdo man i'm just like sitting up and like yeah i just i love it so like that definitely was like the first push to like to get me to where i'm at now for sure it seems like your style and just the way you train and whatnot you would be perfect for uh new japan i mean people like it hey he needs to be in Japan. Well, you got an opportunity to do some stuff with New Japan. What was your take on that as far as how that type of style of wrestling differed from more of a traditional, maybe like a Ring of Honor style or a WWE style? I mean, you know, in a strong style is definitely a big thing. And I feel like that would work really well with you. Am I right? Um, I mean, I would love to get to New Japan. I feel it's like I specifically just my look like my presentation the things that i do like were would fit great there and uh i don't really think i would have to change much of how i would formulate a match or how i would put it together just just to fit their style because i think it's very similar to like a ring of honor style or their ring of honor similar to new japan depends on how you how you look at it or who you ask uh yeah I man i've always wanted to go there and like i admire those guys and and i got to i got to work with kenta a little bit in nxt and i was like my first real taste of it uh, yeah, I helped. He had like he was coming in from rehab, and like I got to roll around with him for like a couple weeks, like like a couple hours every week. And it was that was just, that was next level. So I'm like, uh, you're, I know who you are. Like, I don't, don't mess me up, man. I don't want none of that. And like, like I could probably whoop Kenta's ass for real, man. But like, he's scary, man. He's still scary, dude. Like, I don't want none of that, you know. So like, I definitely feel like I I would do really well over there, and and um, it'll happen one day. Just uh. When when it, when cards fall into the right place, I know COVID is kind of hindering a lot of travel for new people. So just being patient, just being patient. You know what can you do? 
Ring of Honor has been has been really great, and I feel like you really established yourself as far as really kind of a household name here in pro wrestling through um, their avenue. Who in Ring of Honor would you say, just in your opinion, not necessarily how matches turned out or feuds that you've been in, but who have you really enjoyed? I mean, it's a pleasure to get a chance to work with fill in the blank. Uh, how many can I have? Just one? You can have as many as you want. Oh, all right. Uh, I'm definitely going to say Silas. Uh, that was like the big um, just kind of turning point for me and, and just like the way we interact. And like from, oh, I just got yelled at by my girlfriend. I did something. Oh, I don't know what I, I don't know what I did. But I heard her go, baby. Uh, <laughs> There's that tone uh, when it's, when it's said, on. you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Silas definitely would be someone uh, like just just our interactions alone. Uh, even before we were teaming and stuff, like Silas, like a pretty intimidating person to kind of like shoot the shit with and goof around with. But he used to bust my chops a lot uh, when I first kind of started out there. So I'm not sure if everybody knows this. Some people might because I did some interviews of, like uh, my earlier part. But uh, when we would travel, like I bring food. But I bring baby food, <laughs> so don't judge me. But I, <laughs> I know, man, it's embarrassing. But whatever, I don't care. Hey, uh, hey, to each their own. Continue. Yeah, man. Like, yo, baby food's great, man. Yo, it's organic. You, know, you give it to babies; it can't be that bad, right? Like, you know, it's, it can't be. We're giving it to newborns, right? Exactly. You know, and this is fun. They're, like, they're super feeble, so you know it's got to be good. Uh, so, like, I would, I would always bring baby food, and. Uh, just because like it's easy to digest it's simple you know like a lot of people like i don't really eat a lot during shows because you know i just like I, i'm under i don't know i just don't want to be heavier like you know worrying about digestion or whatever so like, i just bring baby food so size like hey man because I, I have a big lunchbox like sometimes i bring meals like meal meals like real food not baby food it's like hey man you got any food in there and i'm like well i actually do and i pull it out like you want something you want some like uh like some sweet potatoes or some mango he's like is that baby food, Josh? And I was like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "Are you telling me you're the you're the most badass guy in this gym, and you're eating baby food? You're so weird." Like, he used to always mess with me like, all the time about it. Like we just kind of have interactions and stuff. And like one day he ate. He's like, "All right, man, give me your baby food." He's like, "It's pretty good." <laughs> you know, so he was with it. You know, it's like we've always had really cool interactions. So. So uh, when people, when we would do these, like when I, when we were teaming and I would put these skits together, like, oh my God, like, I'm not joking. When I, I would bother Silas all the time. It's like blue, 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 white, blue, 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 like all these ideas I pitched, like, let's do this, let's do that. And most of the stuff we did was like one take, sometimes two, just to make sure we got it, but almost always was one take. Cause like our chemistry is so good. It's like, dude, you just be an idiot and I'll be me. I'm like, whoa, what? Like, what do you mean, man? You know, so like, like that was like probably just like just learning from him and like being able to kind of like express myself and be a little more character based and like work on that. Cause I think that's one thing I was really missing. Uh, my room work has always been, you know, uh, I think slightly above average, like just cause my skill set's a little different, but now it's definitely uh, better. It's good. Uh, but like, that was like, uh, you, you can always teach that, but you can't really teach a character per se, or you can't, teach charisma and personality. So Silas helped me get that, which gave me that confidence. So I'll always I will credit Silas with being someone who's definitely helped. But uh, if it wasn't Silas, it would be Jay Lethal for sure. 
just the way he thinks about things and, and his experience and knowledge is just, it's, I feel like it's never ending. Every time I train with Jay, I train with Jay a lot. Uh, that's, I think it's a big reason from like 2019 to now, like how I got like a lot better was just being around Jay and like learning from him and just such the small things he does. Like a lot of people don't get, I think that was just, that was game changing and, and I'm eternally grateful just to pick his brain and just sit there and watch him work. Cause, um, you see like a lot of people who get to that level, like Jay is at that level, like where, where a lot of people will never get to. Um, but like Jay trains with his students. He like, he bumps for them. He's in with the ring with them almost every day. And like, there's some days where I'm like, man, I'm not taking a bump. It's Tuesday. But then Jay's like bumping around and da da da. I'm like, damn it. It's like, now I got it. And I'm like, no, no. But like Jay, Jay is like that guy, man, where he like is just always in there. And that's why he's so good. So um, like yeah, being, sharing a ring with Jay or just picking his brain or asking him to watch my matches, like that, that's, that's something I can, I can never replace or, or, or thank him enough. And I've tried, I've tried, I've tried to think, it's like, he'll just shut up. <laughs> Jay, Jay doesn't want to hear it, but no, I mean, we, he's the best. We've talked to Jay before and we've also talked to, to Silas as well. And Jay, uh, obviously trained with Mikey it is such a funny, honest, just good, genuine. Dude. Yes, just like when you talk to somebody, you automatically get this vibe from them pretty quickly, and it's just what you see is what you get. Just a very nice person that you could literally sit there and either binge watch a bunch of movies together, shoot the shit, get a drink, whatever, and he would be like a true blue friend. And how cool is it to find somebody in life who literally is just that genuinely? Because in this business, I'm sure you've seen, not everybody's a Jay Lethal. No, and like Jay's got that laugh, man. You know his laugh, man. It's so contagious. You you almost try to be funny so you can hear it. It's just <laughs> such a good laugh, and like we always talk about, like me and the boys, like we always talk about it because like like Taven, myself, and Vinny, we all work out together. So like we're always talking about Jay's laugh. Or, like we always when we're all hanging out. Like we just love making him laugh. He's the best. Um, not to jump on the the Jay thing, but the Macho Man stuff and the Ric Flair stuff. We brought that up when we That's were great. talking to Jay. It, that was gold. Like I can still watch those clips now and just literally laugh my ass off. And it's like you can really tell when someone's enjoying themselves when they literally get to just be themselves and just really let that fandom actually come out as well. Um. That's a great group of people that that you get to spend so much time with in Ring of Honor. Let me ask you this. You've done some stuff with AEW, uh, Daniel Garcia, Sean Spears. Um, Any chance? I mean, you don't have to say anything, but we might see more of you in in AEW. Uh, I mean, that's always on on the table, right? I, I, I would love to be there. I think I would thrive there. Um, you know, obviously I can't make Tony sign me, but you know, any opportunity that, <laughs> unless I can, <laughs> no, Tony's really cool. Um, yeah, you know, I was just there on Saturday and, uh, you know, worked Daniel Garcia and it was fun, man. Like stylistically we mesh well together. Uh, that, I think I could do really well there. It's just as far as just what I bring is probably pretty different than everyone else there. I think, yes, yes, it is. Um, so yeah, I, I would like to be there if that was an, an option on the table. Uh, 
a lot of the people that are there in position of power come from Ring of Honor. So uh, I do have like a really good relationship with everyone there and and they're 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 great. And if I got to be there, I would love it. Now, if not, hey man, it's okay too. No, they're it's not the end of the world. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming up. And uh, I live in Florida, and there's a March there's a lot of Florida stuff. So um, I'll probably be at a lot of them, most of them. How cool is it with Samoa Joe and William Regal, who are you know free agents right now? And I think we both agree, really good coaches. Um, do you think wherever they land is, is definitely going to benefit greatly just from their tutelage? Yeah, no matter. I mean, no matter what role you put, either one of them in, like any any company would benefit to have them. Uh, you know, if you use Joe as a talent or as a coach or as like a GM, just he has like a presence. It's just it's next to none. It's, uh, just yeah, there's there's no way that no one could benefit from that. And like just Regal as well as an agent, as a coach, a producer. So I, I think both both people definitely won't have a problem being anywhere if they wanted to be somewhere. It's just a matter of what they want. I think they're they're both great. Billy obviously is an AEW and his boys are, and I am a big fan of the gun club. And Billy, um, it, you hate to say for your age, you look great. Billy looks great for any age. I mean, Dude. Billy seems to be one of those people who is just he takes his workouts, he takes his nutrition tremendously serious. I know he does also uh bodybuilding shows as well. Um, tell me a little bit about just Billy Gunn and maybe a couple interactions you've had with him. <laughs> so, I when after I got released from NXT, Billy was getting ready to go to Japan. So like we got to like really spend a lot of time together in that time period because just I was we were just training together. Like we were in the gym together, we were working out. This was before Austin and Colton got into it. So I really got to spend a lot of time with just just Billy. And uh, so he, <laughs> there's a couple a couple fun moments that I, I recall that were great. So. Um, I, I make I like to cook, all right. So I make like a lot of interesting things, uh, just just for fun. Like I don't like it's not like gourmet or anything, but like I made like a donut burger or um, <clears throat> yeah, it's phenomenal, dude. I'll make it for you one day. But I make them a different way than just a donut burger donut. Uh, I would do like a uh, uh, you have to use Krispy Kreme. You can't use Dunkin' Donuts. I'm sorry, Krispy Kreme is just next level. They glaze the whole thing. It's not just nah, it's just Krispy Kreme or nothing. Uh, so so it's chocolate chocolate sprinkle crispy cream you put the patty on slice of cheese an egg and then a regular glaze and then a patty cheese egg chocolate cover sprinkle side down so you get like the yeah i know i know look at your face it's phenomenal what, what are we what are we <laughs> clocking in at here at at the old calorie count here because shit that's like a week's worth i mean yeah it's hefty man so I think I don't remember why we made this, but I I, I think I posted something on Instagram. I had made one, and Billy's like, "We got to do that." And I was like, "Yeah, let's go." <laughs> so um, on my Instagram, I have like a section just for food on like my highlights, or whatever. So you can see a lot of stuff I made on there. But like we made these like I made big patties, like half pound patties each, or, or a little bit bigger than that. But Billy's just like he's such a child. He's just like crushing it. He like loves it. That that, that Billy's a big man. Like I've eaten with Billy quite a few times, and I'm just like, how? Where does it go? Like I think people don't understand how big he is, because like when you see him on TV, everyone else is really big too. Like in WWE, there like at that time, he that everyone's just really big. 
Um, but he's like literally like six, 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 seven. He's like two eighty. He's a he's a man. He's a real man. And like I'm like we're like training. I'm like man. But he's like such a kid. And he's so playful. And it's just so weird because you see him and you talk to him. And he's very intense and he's powerful. But then like he's such a child. He just plays around and has fun because you can tell he just loves what he does. He like loves to be in it. And like those interactions are like are priceless and. And you know, fast forward to now, now that now that Austin and Colton are in, and uh, when I when I was in I was in DC for a independent show, I came to AW and I worked out with them and stuff. Just just being backstage and you know, saying what's up to everybody and just showing face and whatnot. Um, you know, just being around, being around with, like all the guys, and it's just how do you work out seriously when like we're all just kind of shooting the shit and like, but Billy's like, shut up. And he's just like trying to work out. <laughs> we're all trying to kind of have fun and. So it's cool. Yeah, he like definitely takes it seriously. Like he he don't like I stay with him in the hotel and he's got like he's got all the supplements and stuff and I asked him for some Tylenol and he was complaining. He's like, oh man, my back hurts because I gave you my Tylenol. I was like, wait, I have any more? He just like just he's just his delivery is great, man. He just he's just next level committed to like being in shape and like looking the part and it's it's truly inspiring, but I'm gonna go eat some Panda Express later and I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> well, you deserve it. I yeah, mean, you're, no, you're in phenomenal hard. shape. You put the time in. Yeah, not like Billy though, man. Like Billy's just like he's a freak, man. He's just he's a freak. Um, something I always like to ask people, and and I'm I'm not going to take credit for this because because I didn't come up with this question, but I think your answer to this question would be fascinating. So we ask people a hot tub time machine. Okay, so. I know the title's kind of cliche, kind of corny, but you go back in time, any any point in time of fanhood, whether you were super, super young or even to today, there's a match. And I know we all have these stacked ranked matches in our minds, like which ones are our favorites. There's a match, two guys, one's got to go, you got to go in. What match is it? What are you picking oh, and why? Fuck. Shit. That's, oh, I said bad words. Oh, God, sorry. No, you uh, can cuss all you want. Oh, man. I, I never know. I never get the Sometimes I forget there are rules to some of them. Uh, we have no rules. Oh, we, man. We are ruleless. hard. Any, any match. Man, there's so many good ones. This, is, this, is, this isn't fair. Uh, yeah, the funny thing is I'll, I'll, I'll talk here while you're thinking here. So we've talked to so many different people, and, and a lot of people – immediately boom they know exactly what their match is going to be okay some people say well it could be one two or three things uh a lot of the women that we know boom they go right to it so but it's not uncommon to say well you know what i don't really have a one go-to match i have maybe two or three matches that i would like to have seen myself in you know if i was fantasy booking so you can probably pick two or three uh, I mean, if it, if it's a specific match, man, I can't narrow it down. But if it's like a specific opponent where I could be against, is that okay? Let's do that. Specific opponent. So let's let's forget what card it was or, or whatnot. There, Who or you what got? Who you working on. here? Uh, You're the booker. Man, I think if I could, at, at whatever stage it is, let's just call it a pay-per-view, right? Because, like, you know, why not? subject myself into the best spot on a wrestlemania maybe or you know like a wrestle kingdom in tokyo dome whatever oh that uh, would be interesting we have yeah. not heard a tokyo dome yet answer so you're already cresting yourself into 
brand new waters here. So I like that. Yeah, man. Hey, you know, wherever wherever it wants to get booked, I don't mind. But uh, maybe like a Chris Benoit. Yeah, I think that I, would be great. Let me let me ask you this also: Are you able to? And I think sometimes it's hard for people to separate the wrestler from the personal life. Does that make sense? Like for me specifically or? Yeah. Well, just in general, do you feel like, like for me, when, when I, let's take movies, for example, right? Let's say I really don't like said actor. Let's say they're a huge D bag, right? And just in life, are you able to separate them from what they do on screen? Uh, because Chris would be a good example. Amazing on screen, amazing uh, person in the locker room, obviously personal life went a different route. When a completely yeah. different route. Are you able to separate those two, or do you feel like, man, it's really hard? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I am separating it because I'm sure a lot of people probably won't say that. They I've, have some never said Chris Benoit before. And you asked them that question. We have not gotten gotten that before, and probably I not. wonder if it's because of everything that has happened. Like the taboo ish type stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder if it's because of that, because let's say that that hadn't happened. I wonder how many people would say, because really good in the ring. I mean, Incredible. there's nothing you can really say he didn't do well because he did. Yeah, man, for sake of, of, you know, people mistaking things like I won't say what I would like to say in this particular instance. But um, yeah. I, I'm, I am separating it because, you know, we, we we weren't there. We don't know, like, what happened. We don't know what kind of right. things he was dealing with. And, like, again, like, those actions are never okay. Like, that, like doing what he did is not justified. But I'm not going to acknowledge someone who has accomplished a lot and has been an influence to the sport regardless of what people feel. And, you know, that's influenced me. So, like, if I denounce that, then I kind of – if I denounce, you know, what Chris has done for the sport, then I kind of, like, being untrue to myself and – and like I've had, I've had a lot of people that have influenced me in my personal life that are not greatest people, but like they've helped me in some sort of way. And I'm not gonna like take that away from them because they've made mistakes and not saying, oh, like I support what he did, you know. But um, regardless of of those things, I still think Chris is a tremendous athlete. And like, if yeah, if, like I grew up and like that's some guy like I enjoyed to watch. And I think now if if you know, things were a little different and I could go back in time and, and, and replace an Eddie and, and wrestle a Chris. I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to replace Eddie because, you know, that's a great match to watch too, Eddie and Chris. You know, I've seen a lot of those. So, uh, uh, yeah, like I, w- I would like to, to wrestle Chris. Um, he's got like a very intense style and I feel like a lot of people like don't know how to give that back and, and, and I like to give it back. So, like, Working with the Briscoes definitely help help bring that out a little bit because if you're not hitting them back, you're just getting your ass beat. <laughs> like, so you here, got it. Here's a bigger question: You going to put yourself over? You're in charge. Oh, I'm in charge. I mean, are are you going to? Uh, what tell does the Chris? story call for? What does the story call for? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big I'm a big advocate of storytelling too, man. I like, agree. That's a good point. Like, Very good that, point. Like as as greedily and as selfishly as like, man, I would love to beat Chris Benoit. You know, like if, if we were in a story and like that had to fit, great, man. But um, it's got to make sense. Yeah, it's got to make sense. Like you know, it's, it, it's it's just winning to win doesn't really make sense, and losing to lose doesn't make sense. But if it, if it means something, it's worth it. And yeah, I don't really care about that stuff because I won't say what I want to say. But um, <laughs> you're probably smelling what I'm stepping in, but I, uh, no, no, I yeah. know where you're going. Yeah, yep. yeah. So like, uh, if it makes sense, like I don't mind, man. I got 
just even have that opportunity experience is great. But I let, mean, let me, it, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. I don't. I don't. I don't mind it either way. Uh, let me ask you this: a lot of times, from a fan perspective, fans get a lot of caught up into their favorite star winning and losing and whatnot. Is that as big of a deal as fans? in our minds make it out to be because I think when we ever see somebody losing, I think fans go, well, they're not getting booked the right way or they deserve better than that or yada, 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 whatever it may be. Do you feel like it? Cause I feel this way. You can still progress a character. You can still progress a story and it doesn't necessarily hurt somebody. If it's a great match and that person just happens to lose like that doesn't, I don't feel like that detracts from that person. Would you agree? Uh, Yeah. <sighs> I agree a lot, but I also like I see the other side of it too. Like as as you know, if you look at sports, right? Like I don't really watch. I honestly don't watch football or any of that stuff. I just don't enjoy it. Uh, but if if your hometown team, you love them no matter what, but they always lose, you kind of it kind of takes a little bit away from it because like how do you want to support someone that doesn't win? Like I understand what wrestling is, and like you know, you understand what wrestling is and the point of it, and. Most most fans understand what wrestling is. You're suspending disbelief. Like we all know, when we watch Superman and Batman, we know that like it's not real. It's a movie. We know we're watching it, right? So so in wrestling, like we want to suspend like what our problems are. Like if, if I had a really crappy week at work and I know that I'm going to this wrestling show, like I'm dropping all that off, and like and and that ho- hopefully like, the the talent is good enough to to draw you in and make you forget about those things and. And uh, and you're putting off those problems that you have, you know, you're 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 taking the time to enjoy something you really enjoy. You know, why people watch sports or things that they enjoy. So if I have doing this and I see that this character that I like, I love this character so much, and he's just not winning anymore. Like and you're gonna lose some sort of 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 like draw to them because you want them to succeed, or you know if it's a heel, I guess you want them to lose, but or you probably want them to win if you like them, but. Yeah, I think it matters just like a little bit, like wins and losses. But I also like I agree that for the right story, you know, someone losing all the time because when they do win, it'll mean more. But um, yeah, I'm kicking out of Chris's finish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm We're going all the way around to the point where yeah, we're saying, yeah. <laughs> we're and back. yeah, and I'm, I'm just gonna slide that in there. So yeah, man. Like I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't mind it. Like, you know, I just, I just worked Daniel Garcia and like, you know, spoiler, but like, I don't beat him, but like, man, that's not the role why I was there. I wasn't there to, you know, for whatever reason I was there to do something specific and, you know, I did it. And you can still show off your talents and who Exactly. Yeah. You can get over without going over it. That's like a big thing I've heard and seen us say and, and so on and so forth. So one thing Jerry Lynn has, gosh, he said this so many different times to me. He goes, you know. After you've been in it for a while, he goes, you realize, pin me, pay me. And and it's just like, you know what? That's right. I, I go into school sometimes. I know it's going to be a rough day. You know what? Pin me, pay me. Let, let, <laughs> let's just let's just keep this thing moving along. Here. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. it's uh, Wrestling is so fascinating to me because it taps into so many different things. Escapism, you know, people who may, might not get into sports, who get into, you know, living vicariously through these stars that we see on TV. It is very much escapism and it's great. So next thing I want to ask you, and I promise I know I've I've gone way longer than I should. Oh, but... you're good, man. Dude, I love it. I don't mind, man. Conversation flows and stuff. I love it. Like if it's like that awkward science where it's both like, you know, that's when it's daunting. Well, have you ever seen the Chris Farley show when he did it on Saturday Night Live 
I, I keep coming back to this. I've seen a few of them, but yeah, I don't like have it like on my TiVo. You, 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 he was talking to, um, oh my gosh, Paul McCartney. Uh, uh, remember that time you were in the Beatles? And oh my God, I've yeah, literally that, watched interviews. Brutal. Just and like you literally are like, I'm going to slight slowly click off of this because yeah, I feel bad for wrong. you. This isn't one of those. Cause thank I'm, you. I'm a, I'm a pretty forward person. I'd be like, Hey man, like, thanks, but I gotta go. I'm pretty forward. <laughs> yeah. My girlfriend just texts me. We, yeah, the cat, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. No, like, that's another thing too, man. Like, especially like a wrestling, like we're so used to being on our phones. Like imagine that you're at a show and like, man, it's just a down moment show. You grab your phone, but my phone's been down the whole time. So like I'm engaged. I love it. So that's always a good thing. So who do you and you feel free to say whatever you want? Who do you really like right now in the game today? Like who do you think is really clicking on all cylinders? Meaning, yeah, I would love to get a chance to to work this person. Um, I feel like not only from a psychology standpoint, they're really good, they're really crisp in the ring. I feel like our styles would mesh really well. I know you had mentioned a couple people previously, but is there any other names that? we might be familiar with that we're like if we were doing some fantasy booking we would like to see josh woods with uh i mean like i have like quite a few actually but like first and foremost like gresham uh but i, I wrestled john quite a few times and and uh, they're all every i think we've had like eight or nine matches and they're all different and we're both growing so like obviously john and he's he's incredible um someone i've never worked before i guess will Technically, I have, but not in front of people. Um, <laughs> uh, Kenta, uh, oh, man, I would love to just go 25 minutes with Kenta, or as long as we could. You know, that would be phenomenal. I watched like a lot of his stuff to kind of get ideas or just be inspired and uh, having, like, that would be something I would love to do. Uh, Suzu Minoru Suzuki, obviously. Uh, I feel like that's like a kind of like a, a cliche thing. So like, so now my next one is going to sound even like worse. Like Daniel Bryan, like having <laughs> having that match. I think, oh man, you have like the like a, I'm the last pure champion, man. Like, cause I ain't losing it. So you know, having like one of the best, the the best pure champion in the last. I think that kind of is a story. I think people would be interested in seeing, and maybe it can happen somewhere. I don't know, or or we could work together or something. I don't know. I don't know. Just speaking into existence. I was going to say, the more we talk about it, the more it can become real. Hey, that door, that forbidden door. Yeah, yeah. You know. Where's Jerry? Let's talk to him about it. You know, I was just about to say, I'm going to call Jerry. I'm going to text Jerry after this. I'm going to say, Jerry, listen, hey, we got to yeah, make yeah. this happen. We uh, got to get this to happen. Yeah, because, like, man, like, I think just that dynamic would be great. Even I'm not saying we would have to team, but, man, it just it makes sense. You know, the, the, the last pure champion and one of the best, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a cool thing. It's unique. It's never been done before. Um, now we'll fast forward to people who like aren't so like mainstream ish. Um, man, there's a lot of good people out there. I worked Axel Tischer one time in NXT, but I trained them a lot, and like we've both grown tremendously since then. So like I would I would like to wrestle Axel. Um, I never got to wrestle Chad Gable like really really wrestle him. So I think stylistically that could be really cool, and and I have a lot of respect for Chad. So that's something I definitely would like to 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 fare with because he thinks he thinks very different, and the way he sets things up and his psychology is great. And he he gets it like Chad gets it. 
Uh, one more. I'm trying to think. Someone not in Ring of Honor, just because like that sounds so lame. Um, well, I wrestled Jeff Cobb, but not really. What about a Josh Alexander? Yeah, I've heard people have said they wanted to see us wrestle. I watched him wrestle Terminus, and like I, I think that'd be pretty cool. I'm trying. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. That's pretty good. Yeah, why didn't I think of that? You learn something new every day. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of like less mainstreamy, like you know. Oh, I see what you. I know what you mean. Yeah, I'm trying to go to like a something not like on TV right now, or or someone like that. That's coming up. That would be. By great. the way, Josh, listening to this, I don't think you're not <laughs> mainstream. I yeah. I, yeah, yeah. For, I just it just came to my mind. I was like, wow, this would really stylistically make a lot of yeah, sense. No, stylistically, that would be pretty fun. That would be a, like him and Gresh had a great match over that. Place. That was awesome. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was really sweet. Yes. Yeah, and I had always wanted to wrestle Yuta as well. I saw him wrestle in uh, the the pure tournament. I was like, man, that would be fun to wrestle. Fred Yehai. That's what I was thinking about. Fred Yehai. Fred. Oh my gosh, like good old AAW guy. Fred is great. Yeah, we have good. a good we have a good relationship with uh, Danny Daniels and Trent Saberry up at AAW in Chicago, and man, they have got so much talent up there. It's not even funny. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to wrestle Fred at AAW. That'd be great. Once again, see, I can make another. Ah, uh, dropping my phone. Yeah, another yeah, text message. Down, like, hey man, let's... hey Danny, hey Trent, let's make this happen. You know, you know, it's funny when I was when I was in DC at AEW, I was uh I was with Billy and we were in catering, we were eating, and then Jerry came and sat down. Uh, and and we were talking a little bit like him, Billy, and myself. So it's it's funny that we've already met. Six degrees of separation, my friend. Six wow. degrees. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, you've been so gracious with your time. I appreciate this. I know we've gone we've gone super long, but let me ask you this question before we wrap things up: Where can people find you? Social media. Where can they buy merchandise? Where can they support you? The whole nine yards. Go ahead and and throw it out there for us. Uh, so Matt, I keep forgetting to do this and it's terrible. I haven't made a pro wrestling tease yet. I know it's bad. It's very bad. Paula yelled at me, Billy's wife. She's like, you need to get one. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Paula's scary. Have you met Paula? I have not. Ooh. If you thought Billy was scary. No, Billy's like a puppy. You don't, you don't mess with Paula. Like Paula's wow. next level. Like Billy's like, yes, ma'am. Like, I'm like, yeah, what's up? Uh, Paula, <laughs> you need to get a wrestling tease. Like, okay. I keep forgetting to do it. Uh, so I need to do one. But uh, my Instagram and Twitter are at Woods is the Goods. <laughs> I like yeah, it. So that, that's where I'm at. Uh, man, I have, I have a lot of stuff coming up. I'm trying to think what's the most recent. I got no. Oh man, I have so much stuff in my little schedule coming up right here. Like I know, like I know, like I'm doing the like uh, EC3's narrative shows in Orlando and then in Dallas. So I'm excited to do that. Uh, that I think that like I love what he's doing and like how he's like trying to take the the business into his own and, and make it. But yeah, I've, I've lo- man, I have a lot of shows coming up, so there's so many. So definitely follow you on social yeah, media, follow guys. Me and I'll tell you where they all are. Yes, and then you got to get on that. They got to get on the merch wagon here. I do, man. It's bad. It's so bad. If you I need a t-shirt guy, we've got we've got connections to an amazing person who can do t-shirts. 
I mean, amazing stuff. So I can I can shoot you some information on that if, if you're interested. And I have a great artist too, Richard Fonseca. So if you need an artist, anyone, hit up my boy Rich. Richard Fonseca, he's great. And he does like a lot of my stuff, all my stuff actually. He's like a bunch of ROH stuff. And you hear a lot of people like, uh, they're like, oh, I need, a, I need a graphic guy. And like Rich has always been on time and he like works fast too. And like, he's very easy to work with. So yeah, I love Rich. He's a man. We're going to have to get some of those Josh Wood shirts out very, very soon because I'll be the I'll be the first one to be sporting one. So I'm going to send one to you. I love it. Lo- you know what? I feel like this is a, this is the beginning of a great friendship, my friend. Do we just become best friends? I think we did. Oh, all right, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> Guys, Josh Woods, please go ahead and follow him on all forms of social media. Support him. If he's going to be in your area, please buy tickets. I mean – Guy who is so talented and loves wrestling so much, loves the fans, loves the interactions. Um, I, it was funny because we were just recently talking to a couple of wrestlers who had had some injuries and they're you know rehabbing. And I said, "Well, we twist your arm and bring you back again." I thought, "Oh, well, it's kind of I don't want to jinx you." So I'm going to start phrasing it this way: Is there any chance we could bring you back for another follow up conversation, hang out, shoot the shit, and and kind of find out more about what's going on with you? Oh, of course, man. I'm easy to contact, man. So we already were in good, good standing. So, dude, I love it, man. Like, I'm always astounded when people want to talk to me. I'm like, man, I'm not that cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm lame, man. But I like when people want to talk to me. I think it's pretty exciting. I don't think you're lame. I think there's a lot of things to you. There's a lot of layers to you that are very, very interesting. And you're really good at storytelling. And I, I, like I love sitting back and listening. So, you know what? I think this is, this is a good relationship. Thanks, man. Virtual hug. That, that's right. <laughs> Dude, All right, thanks my for friend. your time, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Tell the missus I send my best, and we'll talk to you down the road. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot, dude. Have a good one. You too. All right. That is Josh Woods. So much fun. So much of a great conversation, and it was just kind of like – Man, the time flies when you are having fun, and it's almost as a, like I was connecting with somebody I had known for years already, and and literally it's the first time I had gotten a chance to speak with him. But when things gel, things gel, and we learn so much about you know his NXT experience from Ring of Honor, from you know people who have influenced him, things that he wants to do, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, his career in collegiate wrestling, and and just so many things that you can take away from this interview. So I know I'll be replaying this multiple times because I know there's going to be things that I am going to say to myself, oh, I wish I would have asked this. But you know what? We'll bring him back for part two. Why not? He's a great dude, huge star, and I, I might even get a free T-shirt out of this. I'm not, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Can't hurt. Guys, it has been a while, but here's what we're going to do. We are going to have our panel, so please don't go anywhere. We're going to step out for a very short break. Uh, You already know what commercial's coming up. You already know. I play it all the time, and uh, it's a little I'm Too Sexy by Mikey Whipwreck. Remember, this is Tuesday night. This is Fort Room Material. We'll be right back. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy. It hurts. And I'm too 
Too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan. New York and Japan. Take it. Sexy for your party. Too sexy for your party. No way. I am disco dancing. I'm a model. You know what I mean. And I do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk. On the catwalk. Yeah, I do my little turn on the catwalk. For my hat, too sexy for my hat. What do you think about that? Hold it. I'm a model, you know what I mean. And I do my little turn on the cowboy. Yeah, on the cowboy. On the cowboy. It is Tuesday night. This is Front Row Material. My name is Mike Friel, and thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, we always appreciate it. Remember, you can download the audio version of this podcast basically anywhere where podcasts are made available to you. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, FM Player, you name it, we've got it. Um, I do also want to apologize for everybody who's tuning in live and uh, to the panel as well. I know we are we are starting way past what the normal original time was, so my apologies, but the conversation was just so good, and there was so many things that I wanted to go into uh, with, with Josh, and I really hope that you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Remember, you can always catch the replay of this show as soon as we go off the air, so if you missed any of it, go ahead and, and watch it and uh, kind of dissect it. But without further ado, and me talking anymore, let's go ahead and let's bring in our panel members. First, he is the man from Canada. He's the one who knows how to live in the wild, but he is the conscience of the show. This is The Butt. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Freeland. How are you, my man? You know what? I got no complaints. You got a rocking ass shirt again. You always have sweet shirts. Uh, let, let's see. What is the, uh, what is this that is one This is my right Britt Baker D&D shirt. That is bad championship. You, Got you it for might, Christmas. You're always wearing the sweet ass shirts. And I tell you what, let me tell you something about, about the, the butt. The butt has spoiled me more than you'll ever understand. 
Uh, I have a John Moxley shirt. Obviously, we're Cincinnati boys. And I have the Terminator Kenny Omega shirt, which would not have been possible without the butt. So once again, my friend, kudos to you for uh, just continuing to feed my moochism. Oh, no problem, buddy. Everybody needs a 1-800 child in your life. <laughs> I just didn't figure he'd be 50 years old. I love it. I, you know what? I deserve every lashing that I get. I deserve it and then more. Let's go ahead and let's bring in uh, another great member of the panel. And uh, he is Tripod, Tripod, a.k.a. Liam Savage. Liam, how you doing, buddy? I'm just wondering, is it the midnight hour yet? Like I'm, I, I can't know. find my clock. We're, we're, it, it seems late. I, I, where's I my clock? I, I don't know. know. I know. Did you, enjoy, did you enjoy the conversation? Yes. Yes, I did. It was really cool. Love Josh Woods. We're going to get a chance to uh, to bring him on for a for a part two. Good dude all the way around. So I like his brother you. Xavier too. Yeah. <laughs> How is life treating you? Step brothers, no doubt. Step brothers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Day in and I, day. You, you always ask me, and I'm just like, it's it's the same fucking shit every week. So. Well, I don't know if something has happened differently with you. I don't know if you know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, just. That girl I've been talking to, that's about it. Ah, (laughs) the lady friend. Is there any chance she'll be in the chat tonight? She might be. I didn't, I didn't even talk to her today. So, uh, who knows? She should should tune into the show. Yeah. Speaking of somebody who, uh, I don't think has a problem talking with the ladies. I, I, I always feel like Anton, you never really had a problem with that. There's not a shy bone in your body. First of all, how are you doing? Another day, another dollar, another fucking beat to make. That's Dude. right. So I redeemed myself earlier today on a personal level. Yes. So when I was 21, I went to someone's 21st birthday party, and there is a activity called strikeouts. Okay. We did strikeouts, and by the end of the night, my face ended up in two pieces, and we super glued my face shut. So like, oh my, oh my. So, yeah, and I needed stitches. <laughs> I did. But this activity is a, you clear a bong, you don't exhale, you do a shot, then you chug a beer, and then you can exhale. Did not go well. This did not go well years ago, obviously. (laughs) I redeemed myself today and did two of them, and I feel super fucking accomplished. And Liam was giving me shit on my choices of beer, and I'm like, it was free. Yeah, I drink the good stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. First of all, I'm never going to knock the word free. Never, never. I have no right to knock the word free. It was terrible. Wait a minute! It was oh. Bud Light. It was Bud Light. It was. It, it was free. Again, it was free. Okay. I drink uh, fucking seltzer while I'm at it. Jesus Christ. Okay, no. hold on a second. Let's 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 do this, Anton. If it's not free, and you got some cash in your pocket, what are you buying? What is what is your your number so, one top shelf beer? So one of my favorite beers to drink is actually a cheap beer because it's a 24 ounce beer with an 8.1 percent alcohol content for less than two dollars. So you drink that. And for most people, it's drinking a six pack. So if I drink two of those, I'm pretty drunk for less than six bucks. So, yeah, I did that in high school. Personal, yeah. yeah, but like just personal mentality. I've always, I want to get as obliterated as possible, as cheaply as possible, typically. I love high end Crown Royal. The XR is my favorite. Beer wise, I want to try the Stone Cold IPA just to try it, but I'm not a beer person. If I'm a drink, Let's break out fucking like Jameson and your Irish whiskey and things of that nature, and let's get drunk. So, 
I mean, I don't, bl- I don't blame you at all, one hundred percent. I feel like beer, you have to be somebody who is really into that. Like, I'm not yeah, into you- the carbonated. I'm not into all that stuff. I like the smooth, poured over the rocks, have a good time. I'm like, that's the way I am. Now, Liam, Liam, you're a little bit different. So you don't, you're not so much hard stuff. You are hard stuff. No, I'm a little bit different. Most you are different. a little bit different. Are you into the hard stuff? Uh, I've I've uh, developed a bit of a taste for uh, ever since Jim Ross started talking about Moscow Mules. I was telling Anton about this earlier. Um, I've had some of those, and they're they're pretty good. It's like vodka, ginger ale, and like lime. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. Uh, like those. Uh, I like White Claw, even though I don't know what the fuck it is. Seltzer water, pretty much with alcohol. Yeah, but it has a fruity taste, and it doesn't taste like you know drinking piss like Bud Light. So it's it's different at least. Not like drinking piss like Bud Light. Once again, the right. Bud Light was free. It's not like he picked it; it was just there. Well, yeah, exactly. but there's still no excuse. I still wouldn't drink it. It's like the night I lost my virginity. It was just there. I mean, it wasn't like I. <laughs> I know. Sorry, it wasn't just there. You had to pay for it. Hey, hey, stop. <laughs> Stop! From the red light district, it wasn't that bad. She she took travelers checks. Um, let me go ahead and let me throw. I'm done. I'm done already. God damn it! Let me uh, let me throw this out to the. So I don't know if I said this. I said this to the panel. I think in a chat. I didn't have any necessarily discussion topics thrown out there. So we're going to allow Travis Boham, ECW fan, uh, and whoever else is in there, go ahead and throw some stuff out that you want us to talk about. Literally anything. Anything Travis, make it, it good. Yeah. Come on, Travis. See, he even said he'll drink free Brett Bud Light. He doesn't care. Thank you. Once again, well, the, room, no. the roommates paid for it. It was not my goddamn money. See, I don't care. No, I, I get it. Like, the last time I did that, I went to this girl's place, and she offered me, she's like, oh, do you want a beer? And I was like, sure. Hands me a fucking Coors Light. And I was like, I didn't no, want to be whoa. an asshole. Oh, I, I didn't want to be an asshole, so I drank it, but it took me about two seconds, and I was like, okay, do you have something, like, I can actually taste? You yeah. gotta be shitting me. You literally, like, you actually spoke up and were like, mm, yeah, this, you have got No, I didn't, else. not to her face, because she was fucking hot, but I just was like, okay, I'll take it, but, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna enjoy it, and I drank right. it very fast. Because it's water, so. That's yeah. bad. Uh, well, hold on a second. Is is I am Dwayne five one four. This is our friend from uh oh gosh, the Philippines. 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 Yeah. I almost said Paraguay. So hey, Philippines, what's up? Good to see you. Uh, here is the question. Da, 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 da. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Remember, remember last week's episode. Who have our? Oh jeez. Oh uh, fuck. Okay, hold off. Bring it this on. This won't take long. Ecumon. Prison. Yo. Hey, um, me, ECW fan here. Um, what I like to talk about is what do you guys think about um, Shane McMahon getting fired by, by Vince this week? Uh, um, my second thing is for a message for um, everyone in Freeland School, all the way from the principal to the custodian. I want you to call him Mr. Moochlin from now on. Thanks, guys. Bye. Did he just cut himself off? Yes. Yep. Yes, he did. Wow. Okay, we're going to address this in a hot second here, but let let let's go, let's go to this one. Last week's topic: uh, Who have blocked by a wrestler? Who's been blocked by a wrestler on Twitter? Who? who? 
Just personalities. I don't think I have. Yeah. Jim Cornette, I have. Like I said before, it was Moro Ronaldo in that uh, Solo Monster podcaster. Solo Monster. Oh, my God. But yeah. you seem to be a very neutral, very laid back person. You've probably never been blocked by anybody, have you? <laughs> On Twitter or in life? Well, let, let's just leave it to social media at this point. Uh, I don't think anybody's blocked me on Twitter. No, okay. I'm definitely not a neutral person. Well, no, but at least your 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 wrestling persona and being a personality on the show, no one's ever said, you know what, f that guy. I guess not. I don't know. Never said it to me. Once again, I'm still trying to find out why Chris Hero uh, basically told me to go pound salt. I have no idea why. Never Seems like Cincinnati. Never had a conversation with you. That's enough. That's enough. Hey, we're Super Bowl bound, baby. Sunday. I, what's that? Got a big bowl? You're going to put your cereal in or something? What's, yeah. What's that all about? Uh-huh. Just, yeah, go watch your great cup. Yeah, go watch. I don't cup. watch football. It's shit. I don't oh. care about it. Well, there's going to be a good halftime show, right? There's going to be. I want to say. Great cup? Probably not. Did, do they even have like entertainment? I think so. During? I think they have Brian Adams yes. one year. Big surprise there. Brian Adams. Oh, jeez. The Great good Cup God. is a good time. Is I've it? I've been to one. It's a good time. Is it expensive? Yes. Okay. Well, if you want good seats, yes. Okay. I'm sure it's Not fun if you want to get fucked expensive. up or something. Liam, would no. you... So if, if the butt said, hey, I got tickets, will you go with me to the Great Cup? No. God, you are such a snob. I don't. I don't want to go to something I'm not going to enjoy. So why would no, I? No, but it? you're going to enjoy like, hanging oh, out. Hey, with the... want to go to GCW? Fuck no, I don't. No, no. Wait a minute. So I the... can do this every Tuesday night, and you don't enjoy this. That's for you goddamn don't... sure. Nobody does. But but you, you still keep... come oh, back every geez. week. Here we go. Here we <laughs> it's go. like it's like um, it's like self abuse. I guess it's like you know, going back to that one person that just keeps shitting on you because you think something good will happen and it like usually doesn't happen. Does. So you're like. Uh. What's that condition where someone treats you bad, but yet you still stay? What do we call that? Herpes. Um, stupid. Herpes. Yeah. I'll go with stupid as well. What is it called? There's like a psychological condition called. It's oh, Stockholm geez. Syndrome. Stupidity. It is, maybe it is Stockholm Syndrome. Thank you. Well, I know um, that's where like if, you know, you're held captive and abused by someone. Eventually, you sympathize with them and love yes. them because your brain doesn't have any other way to process it. So that's Stockholm Syndrome. That's so. a good song by Muse as well. It also uh, resembles half WWE's roster. Um, yeah, I was gonna, so, oh, thank you. Because you, you thank don't you. hate them at all. Yeah. I don't. I'm just saying that's <laughs> no. probably how they feel. No. Um, let's go ahead. Love let's, their product. Let's pull this up here. Tom Cochran played here, wasted after a great cup once I heard. So Tom Cochran on stage, completely obliterated. I believe nice. it. Do you know who nice. Tom Cochran is there, uh, Freeland? I do know who Tom Cochran is. What what song was he famous oh. for? Uh, let me think here. Was he famous for Walking in Memphis? No, that's uh, some dipshit. I don't know. It's not him, though. Okay, hold on. Give me another second here. Walking in Memphis. That's I a know great that's song. song. That, no, that's, it's yeah, it is a great terrible. song. It's a terrible song. Yeah. Well, hold on. But are you saying it's a good song or a bad song? It's a great. I love it. It's yes. a great song. Um, uh. Gosh, what, okay, oh, he I, did Life is a Highway. Life is a Highway, there we go. There you go. And then some dipshit country artist redid it and didn't do anything different with it. I remember that. Wasn't that Rascal, Flatts? Rascal Flatts did it, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, shut up. 
Wow. I'm so glad you're such in a good mood. When did your uh, yeah. period start? Um, let's go ahead. Let's uh, go just, ahead. just a little after yours. Yeah. I was going to say 1999. Our, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Man, I guess to keep on giving that fucking shitty joke. I'm going to beat the shit out of Rick next time I see him for laughing during that fucking thing. Oh, shut up. Motherfucker. You know that's what you know. I was going to do this. And then uh, stuff happened, and I couldn't do it. Now. Yeah, and then he chokes on his fucking drink, and I'm like, "What are you fucking laughing about?" And it begins. Great. Uh, Thanks some, for it. Some fans blocked Joy Janela for calling him Jelly Nutella. First of all, let me let's let's talk about this for a second. At what point are we too thin skinned? If you're a wrestler, if someone calls you Jelly Nutella and you get that pissed, like seriously, you're in the public eye. That is not like saying anything horrible. Yeah, but he hates Cornette. It's that's from Cornette, and he fucking hates Cornette. But who cares? I know. I agree. I totally agree. Trust me. But he hates wow, Cornette that insane. much to that level where he like flipped out about it. He even like told him to fuck off on a live pay per view. But they're Did... two peas in a pod. They're both idiots. Cornette's an idiot. Cornette's. A... He he knows what he's talking about, but he goes on his rants and just. Complete nonsense. He's a bit of an idiot that time. Yeah, he. It's not all. I, shit. I don't agree at all. But that's. Fine. I mean, well, he, I don't he, care. But yeah. I know you don't. <laughs> I don't give a shit that you don't care either. Here's the deal. He said he wanted to live just long enough so he could go to Dave Meltzer's. Uh, oh, uh, Vince Russo's grave and piss on. Vince it. Russo's grave and piss on it. Like yeah. God, I know it's, it's. I don't know what shtick and what's really just him being a bitter person. I'm not really quite sure. I think he actually would. I was going to say, fitty, fitty. Yeah. What kind of punishment is pissing on what? someone's grave? Anton? Fitty, what the fuck is fitty? Fitty, man, fitty right? Much better, yeah, I don't give a much shit. Better. Fitty cent? <laughs> I have no idea. I need about tree fitty. I do I walk with fitty. a limp. Um, so Travis Boham, I'm, I'm assuming Travis uh, is a, 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 a fan of Cornette. He said Cornette is funny. Cornette he is, is a fan, funny. Man. Some stuff he says is entertaining, but he's he's a bit much sometimes. Uh, okay, let, let's let's talk about the, the Shane McMahon situation here since it was brought up by ECW fan before he calls back. Um, <laughs> it, it does seem that I want to say for the last several years, it, it's been widely known now that Shane McMahon's been brought in to specifically work the Royal Rumble as a producer. Now, he came back this year and really wanted to inject himself even further into the creation of the match as far as setting things up, who's going to do what, and then he puts himself in the match. Allegedly, he had upset a lot of people backstage, and that's not just from one news outlet. That's from kind of across the board, and word got back to Vince. Vince was like, hey, what's going on here? It was father's son who had the tiff, and it was daddy knows best tongue-in-cheek who decided to send him home um do we feel like this is the end of it is this the end of, of of shane being around wwe at this point i mean he doesn't own any stock he is not he doesn't have any uh, investments within the company so how do you know well because on the shareholders meetings they go over a lot of things with the financials that are released he's not on there uh they, they if, make a mention of saying like shane mcmahon is not on this well, they also had mentioned before on a previous shareholders meeting, they discussed that he had unloaded X amount of stock. Somebody had okay. asked a question if he was any, if he was an investor anymore into the company. And it was mentioned that he has, has no ties to the company anymore outside of just right. 
my logical. Is Fair this enough. it? Is this it for Shane Butt? Do you think this is it, or do you think you know what? Father, son, they they cut from the same cloth. They'll make up and hate each other again about a hundred more times. Uh, he'll be back. I don't. I could see him maybe being gone for a little bit because Vince got his panties in a bunch. But he'll be back. The biggest issue they're going to have is from the articles I've read, he pissed off a lot of people. Oh, sure. Backstage. Yes, he did. A lot of talent. Changing a lot of stuff over, putting himself over a little more than anticipated. So I think that's going to be your biggest issue is the talent or pissing with him, more so than his old man is. If you're Shane McMahon and you're in your 50s, I mean, at what point in time do you start to realize that it ain't about me. And yeah, I still have some level of name recognition within the company, but as the fan base gets, you know, as they move on in time, not as many people are going to be super familiar with who Shane McMahon is. So do you think it's even a good idea that he even put himself in the match? Yeah, I can't see it being a big deal. He he should have been very much a, a bit perfect. He should have been in, you know, do his little shuffle thing, make something quick, and be out. He shouldn't have got any kind of push or anything like that. Or he shouldn't have given himself any kind of push. No, I agree with you. I, agree. I He should have been a role player. He should have been somebody who could have done a spot with, and then they chuck him out, and it's real dramatic or whatever. But he was one who eliminated other people, and I thought that was kind of like, eh, not not such a good idea. Nobody gained from him eliminating anybody. I would agree. He's not going to be in any kind of real storyline. Let's be honest. The most he comes back for is a match here, which is basically just a spot fest. And then he's gone again, and he might make another cameo appearance here and there. It made There was no storyline or didn't benefit any storyline, sorry, to have him get on like he did. I agree 100%. Uh, Liam, what's your thoughts? I mean, Shane, I mean, does he really add any value to anything at this stage of his career as far as the direction WWE is going in? No, he's just an attraction at this rate. I think we all kind of figure that. Like, he's not going to, well, I was going to say he's not going to be putting any uh, programs at any point, but yeah, who knows. But uh, yeah, I kind of just go with my usual mantra. Like, unless I have proof of shit, I don't really like to comment on it. So uh, it's, until he makes a comment about what happened with him backstage and all that, it's just all hearsay. So I got no comment on it really. Anton, what's your take on this whole situation? I mean, it, it's a dysfunctional family. Let, let, let's be real honest. They are one fucked up family. And no matter what you think, I mean, the, from the, the, the things that we have heard, once again, it's heard uh, that Vince has done, whether it's extramarital, who knows, but there's been plenty of stories that have come out. Things that have been done, persuasions of some female talent, the the way he's berated other talent or whatnot, the way he's either gotten along or not gotten along with his family behind the scenes as well in personal life. It's just a weird, weird dynamic. Dude, they put the fucking fun dysfunctional. And yeah, I come from a dysfunctional family. So if I'm telling you, holy shit, (laughs) kind of says something. You know, we always kind of heard Stephanie is more like Vince and Shane is more like Linda. Even, you know, back in the, like, 98 era when Shane was first on TV in a storyline capacity, that you know, Vince was taking digs like that. And even Bruce is like, that wasn't scripted. That was just Vince being fucking Vince. So, eh. 
So it's father and son. They're gonna butt the fuck heads. It is what it is. It it's weird though to know he got brought back to do the rumble, put in the rumble, his choice, not his choice, and then fucking fired within 48 hours. Holy fuck. Like, goddamn, dude. What the fuck did you do? What the fuck did you do to fucking I will, as Butt said, he pissed off a lot of people backstage. He upset a lot of the talent, and you know, but you God start upsetting it. the apple cart, and and people aren't going to like that, right? But like, I I don't know. It's just kind of mind boggling to me from the perspective of I know that Vince is harder on the kids than almost anyone else because it is the kids. But I just, they've also always kind of been allowed to do a lot of shit people wouldn't be allowed to do. Like they're allowed to piss people off differently because. It is what it is. They've been there their entire lives. So I don't know. I want to know. I want to know what actually happened because there it has to be something kind of dramatic for it to be that big of a up and down that quickly. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where I'm like, does it matter? No. But I would like to hear the story just to go, what the fuck? Makes sense. But by the way, Freeland, I, if, if I'm just like, you know, saying like, oh, about when you mentioned about his stocks and everything. If I don't know about it, like, I'm just going to question it. A lot of people say stuff like that, and then they don't back it up. You backed it up, at least, so I congratulate you on that. It wasn't meant to be mean-spirited, but, you know, like, a lot of people say shit, like, he doesn't know this, or he doesn't know that, or he had, you know. So, it's not mean-spirited. It's just, I like to I like to know the facts, because there's so much bullshit out there these days that I don't oh, know. What the, yeah, I don't know what's true and what's not anymore. So, when people can actually back it up, that's great. But when people just spout out something... And they have no basis for it, you know, nothing factual to back it up. Then I, I get a little annoyed. But I'm not saying that's you. Fair enough. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. I, as far as Shane is concerned, I, I'm with Liam at this point. He is an attraction. Um, yep. it's it's an attraction that may may be starting to wear out its welcome, just for the simple fact that I don't know if his pop or his as as fans change over time, right? less people are going to be familiar with who he is, especially when he's so infrequently on television. They're not going to know Shane O'Mac from the Mean Street Posse, and they're not going to know Shane O'Mac from, you know, the, the corporation and ministry and all the stuff that he did there. Um, so y- you start to get away from what Shane O'Mac really was. And yeah, he's still cool to see. And it, it's really great how talented he is. I mean, it really surprises me at not being, you know, a, a, n- everyday roster person he he can go he can really go Mm -hmm. um so i I give him all the credit in the world for that um i just uh yeah i think when we find out more about the story i don't know if it's a situation of cooler heads will prevail at some point or it'll be a situation of you know what this just wasn't a good fit and it's it's just time to for him to move in a different direction um it's already happened once too think about it you know there's a whole period where he left and ran that fucking company that was in China and et cetera, and was just completely gone. And yep. it was like, don't ask, don't tell. So not the first time. Won't be the last time either. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's talk about this because I think this was really interesting. This surprised me. And I don't know. I, I, it's so hard to discuss a topic like, how much of someone's past can you go into and and bring back up and whatnot? And I, I'll be honest with you, I did not know about any of uh, the situation oh. with Brian Kendrick. I had no idea. I'll be honest. I'll be the first person. I saw that he was promoted to be uh, on Dynamite, 
And I thought, oh, that'd be really interesting. Trained by Shawn Michaels. I always thought he was really good with Paul London. I thought, hey, this could be really cool to see him. Obviously, you know, it'll be good exp uh, exposure for him. Moxley's definitely going to go over. And then it was weird. It was like I put my phone down and then I came back and all of a sudden it was like, uh, wait a minute, what exactly happened? So, uh, Anton, what what was your take? What did you find out about this? And what the hell's going on with this 2010 situation, I want to say? Actually, 2012. And the reason 12. why I can say this is because it was right after I graduated high school and it pertains to Sandy Hook. So, that's, that's uh, you know, I don't like getting, obviously, I love conspiracy theories. I love anarchy. We know these things. We're not going to get super deep into that. I will say that the CIA has admitted that Sandy Hook was a uh, uh, exercise, for a lack of a better way to put it. We're not going to get into that. Is government doing? But not going to get into it. He also stated that the Holocaust is fucking fake. I need a drink. I'll My be right back. For fuck's sake. My great-grandfather <laughs> was a parachute for World War II. You, the Holocaust is not fake. So, yeah. But at a certain point, like... I hate this PC cancel culture bullshit considering I grew up on South Park, Family Guy, Beavis and Butthead, etc. The ability to offend me doesn't exist, really. If you do, you've accomplished something. You offend me with raping women, fucking with children, etc. Short of that, go on about your fucking business. The fact that right. everyone gets their goddamn panties in such a fucking bunch is stupid. That's So, he's probably never going to have a career again over some dumb shit of him fucking with people on the internet 10 years ago. Is it, is there any truth to, and like I said before, I'm a novice to this topic and um, more than anything, I just want to learn about this than necessarily commenting, but was there also a DVD that was released? There, there was speculation. I'd read a couple articles that like a DVD was released as well. Basically him. Um, and I could be wrong. Uh, basically kind of, going over some of these alleged beliefs he has or not alleged but his beliefs at that time is there any credence to any of that has anybody heard of that or i i know no, he was on uh no talk as jericho Just... about it okay about have... conspiracy theories but you know anything about his his prior past and comments or no not not about that okay. no I, I just, I don't know. I didn't know a whole lot about as far as what had happened or whatnot. All I noticed was he was advertised, and then all of a and sudden then, he wasn't. And then I watch, and it's it's Wheeler Yuta. By the way, I like Wheeler Yuta a lot. I oh, think yeah. they put on a really good match together. Um, I'm going to throw it to Bud here really quick. But what, what, was your, what was your take on the Brian Kendrick situation? I mean, do you think it was too long to, to pull some of this stuff up, or do you think – at the end of the day, how far do you go back before you realize who someone is today? I mean, what he said was pretty stupid. I mean, you know, I mean, that whole conspiracy nonsense. I mean, that's different conversation. He's a tinfoil hat wearing cycle. But we can go on that another time. I mean, if you say stupid shit and it gets brought up and you bury yourself, it's your own damn fault. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how that works. So it's his own damn fault. Like, don't be a moron. Especially when you're talking about stuff like that. That's a pretty touchy subject. Sure, absolutely. Right? Because if this is supposedly a conspiracy, like, no, some people think, 
Well, how come they sued Remington, right. the gun manufacturer, and yeah. just about put them tits up? Yeah. What about there, there was another whack job going on that it was a conspiracy as well? And he ended up in jail for going on about it. So, I don't know. If you say stupid shit like that, especially about a subject like that, and it blows up in your face, I got no sympathy for it. Fuck it. It's your own damn fault for being a moron. Somebody was saying it was on a high spots DVD or something. So, yeah. Travis, I appreciate you mentioning that. I, myself, I, I, I'm going to have to look into this more. All I know is I was really taken back. Let me let me do a – and I don't know if this is going to be necessarily a fair comparison here. But we know the Sammy Guevara situation, right, when he was talking about, oh, you know, I forget who it was. Uh, Dasha what, Banks. She's so hot. Yeah. You know, I would <sighs> – you know, sexually assault. That's not not even close to being the same. No, thing, it's yeah. no, I'm, no. What I'm saying though is, yeah, when people say mean, stuff though. in the past, right? Um, it, that actually did surprise me that he <clears throat> was was brought back, and I know he did kind of squash, um, because he, he, what was the phrase he used? Oh, do you want me to her. repeat it? Yeah, I will write her. That's what he said. Okay, is that a? Uh, once again, I am not. I'm not up to date with stuff. No, it's is, not lingo. If that's what that's you're not ask. lingo. Okay. No, okay, that's no, what I was saying. No, so no, how did no, he survive no, that? No. And, and that's my, so Liam, let me go to you. How did someone survive something like that? Him? I'm surprised just based on how AEW is and how they have not a hundred percent, but close to zero tolerance with stuff like this. Obviously with Kendrick. Uh, I don't know how he made it out. I guess cause he went through those, you know, sensitivity training or whatever who knows if he actually went to anything i don't know um but as far as kendrick goes uh yeah i mean we're all entitled to our opinion but at the same time you know he's got a he should be held accountable for things that he says that probably upset 98 percent of the people that work at AEW, right sure and that's their choice that they want to hire him or or let him go. He's not a union, you know. He can, they can, they can let him go as fast as they want. They didn't even really hire him. It was just a tryout, basically, as far as I understood. But when you start, the the only thing, the only thing I I don't understand is why was this not an issue back when it happened? That's why was he? Was yeah, why was WWE this not brought up? And, or he was? I want to say he was still with WWE. Am I correct on that? I think. I don't. I think he was on the independence at that point. If it was like 2012, okay. then he hadn't been back yet. I think it was a few years later when the Cruiserweight Classic happened and he got back with the company. But you know, you figure at some point things will be brought up. Like, th but there is a long history of this in wrestling. Oh yeah. Who whoever? Okay. Why am I one of the only people that ever brings up that Mr. Wrestling Two was a convicted sex offender? Good point. Involved in a gang rape Good of an underage kid. Good point. Yet he was a fucking star, and nobody ever really brings it up because they don't want to crush the narrative. Oh, one of these great legends, you know, but fucking he was a nigga. fucking convicted sex offender. Well, so some of us don't at... bring it up because some of us didn't know. So I don't know if you no, no, I, I get all that. Judgment with their sarcastic tone like that about why people don't bring it up. Because I'll no. gladly bring it up if somebody's a fucking scumbag, but I didn't know. No, but, but my Sorry point is. My point is there's things that are like stuck in the past that nobody will bring up and it just gets stuck there. But the odd person will say it and then, oh, well, I wasn't there. And it's like, well, we need to take a hard look at these things before 
people get fucking employed. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, look, whether – and there's – like you said before, there's a lot of things that happened in the 70s, the 80s that – that uh, abysmal. I mean, horrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, just take the Ring Boy scandal, for example. Horrible. Jimmy Snuka. Yes. With, Prime example right there. Yes. Bad. Very bad. So, Very bad. You can look You can look through history. It's, it's, it's all over the place. But why did it take to this point in history, what, like – Eight ten years later, for this to be brought up, I don't fucking get it. I'm not. I'm not discounting anything he said. I'm saying why now? Yeah, I agree. why now? That's a good question. So people and why was it out there on fucking high spots for the whole fucking time, and not a bit of a problem was brought up about it? And now all of a sudden, it's not on the high spots network. Oh, because they got caught with their fucking tail between their legs, profiting off of something that he's saying like this. Bullshit. If you're gonna own something, own it. Let's you know. Talk. Let's talk about this. Travis brings up a good point here. There you Grizzly. go. Grizzly Smith. I was going to say that. Absolutely. So I have a point for everything. Yes. But you can't held, be held accountable for ignorance. If you don't know, you don't know. That's, right. That's different. Right. That's different. We, we we do not penalize ignorance. If you don't know, no. you don't know. If you know and you sweep it so under I'm the rug. So I'm ignorant because I didn't know. Is that why you're That's saying That's the definition that? of ignorant. That's you, the definition of ignorant. You are not ignorant in the, is the act of not knowing. not in the know. loop. Right. So it, I, I don't mean it insulting. That's literally the definition. So, and, but so that's different. You can't you can't be offended it, by that. Like, it's a matter of how you judge the after the fact once you find out the information. Yes. So if yes. Butt didn't know that Brian Kendrick was like that and he was a fan and he was like, oh, this guy's great. And then someone's like, oh, guess what he said? That's up to him to choose how he decides to, you know, talk about him in the future tense. So, you know, that's all it means. Yes. yes. Yes, so that that doesn't even really matter. I knew about the Sandy Hook comments a decade ago. I didn't know about the Holocaust comments a decade ago. I knew High Spots sold a DVD pertaining right. to interviews with him that was fucked up. I knew right. the majority of this. I do not like this cancel culture, cancel culture PC bullshit. Own it. You fucking said it. Own it. Right. <laughs> you know, if you're profiting off of it, own it. You know, it just is what it is. I think Sammy, the only reason Sammy gets the pass and the two differences, if we're looking at it truly black and white and why Sammy was young when he did this, like, early, you know, like late teens, early 20s. Brian was in his 30s because he's 42 now. So he was at least 32 when this happened. So less of a pass because you definitely know the difference and just. I, I don't know. I think the reason why they let the Sammy shit go is because they've built their fucking company around him. <laughs> well, so one's based one on real event. One's me. based on something that he wanted. Right. Well, so, I mean, there you go. Okay. Well, this... the fact that Kendrick is talking about uh, Sandy Hook. Well, from what I read, so forgive my ignorance because I'm ignorant. Probably uh, <laughs> no, some of it, what he said is that one article that I read is that he said it. Some it was all a, a big setup, basically. A lot of people and, think that. Yeah. Well, because there's a lot of people that are dumb. And I wasn't there. I don't know if it is or not. There's also his. I'm not sure what his comment about the Holocaust is. If somebody could fill me in on that one. I think it was faked. He said. Yeah. Something yeah, along those lines. That... Yeah. There's so, visual so, proof to. So prove we that. know he's not mentally smart. We, we right. established that fairly quickly in the last five seconds. Right. Then you say stupid shit like that, people are going to turn on you, and 
you deserve it. I'm not a cancel culture person either, but if you're a fucking idiot and you get canceled for being an idiot, that's your own fault. And he's pretty stupid. I, I look at it like if there's if there's actual visual or audio evidence to prove um, what we all say, like the Holocaust, we can all prove that. There's, you know, it, it's it's very evident. There are survivors but, who have come forth and told stories right. and are still alive. So it's like right. But if but if so you're going on the whole, they're uh, all actors. Is that the they're all actors or something? He probably thinks. Yeah. He's a fucking mental. But it, but then if you do the whole Sandy Hook thing, who was there? Out of very, very there wasn't a ton of people there. So it's like okay, if you bring stuff up, who am I to say you're necessarily wrong because I wasn't there? But I would think probably a lot of it would, you know, a lot of us would tend to think, uh, you probably don't have all your screws in one place, right? You're probably not all there. To question something like that, which is such a huge thing. I wonder if it was a situation of it happened in an office building with adults, if the narrative would have been different as, a, as opposed to children in a school. Yeah. I, I feel like when it becomes children in a school, it definitely pulls at more heartstrings and i feel like in some ways it 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 just does Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if it was a bank and it was i don't know how many people 27 20 i don't know how many people it were um a a life is a life right but i feel like in that situation i think people could feel a little bit different about it um just because we do look at smaller children adults elderly people we do classify them in different categories right i mean if if Let's say a young child dies um, in a car accident or an 80-year-old dies in a car accident. You know, we're most likely to say in our mind, oh, the 80-year-old person, you know, well, I mean, yeah, they passed away in the car accident, but they were 80. And and so we try to find levels of justification behind our reasoning. Right. Oh, well, at least they got to live a long life or at least – no, a life is a life. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it boils down to. Um. So anyway, I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. No, it does. Um, I just For I'm sure. just throwing it out there. But yeah, no. As far as Brian is concerned, what happens next? Um, hey, you know he came out with an apology, which we all expected. We all expected something to be posted on social media. Um, now the big thing is if he truly feels you know contrition for what he did, that's one thing. But we don't know. And we'll never know, and we don't know what, what lies within him if he's just apologizing for the sake of it. Is the fucking prison calling again? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I would just like to say I didn't know this until a few days ago that Brian Kendrick made these comments. I'm very pissed at him for it, and I no longer support him. I'm Jewish myself, and I'm very pissed at what he said about the Holocaust. Also, the Sandy Hook thing was real, and it pissed me off with all these goddamn conspiracy theorists. I mean, parents saw his children that were like six years old, eight years old. That really affected me. I lived two towns over from Sandy Hook. So it, it just, when that happened, I was totally stunned and hurt. Um, that's all I really got to say. Fuck you, Brian Kendrick. Safe guys, bye. This is why I love this goddamn show. <laughs> I, I, I will say this, though. That was probably uh, the most well-thought-out thing that no, – no offense, ECW fan. That was probably one of your best calls. Uh, yeah. Look, and everybody feels differently, and it's just a very difficult thing to unfortunately yeah. have to see. It, it's just, it just sucks. So 
Um, moving on from, from that topic, uh, anyone else in the chat have something they would like for us to discuss? Literally anything it could be. By the way, um, what was that can of beer you held up, Anton? What was that? Is it Milwaukee's Miller, best? Miller. No. Oh, Miller no, High Life. Yeah, you Miller. know, I like, Again, I like free beer. Free beer. It's in free. my fridge. My it's roommates free. have told me, hey, if there's alcohol, as long as you don't kill the fucking fifth, you can drink. Okay. Bet. All right. Let, so. Let's go on to this one. This one's really, really good. Um, any thoughts on Brandy Rhodes' promo, a.k.a. Hacksaw Butch Reed? Brandy, Brandy. on last week's <laughs> Dynamite with Dan... <laughs> Lambert, wow! Um, Didn't see it. The one thing it's I will say. <clears throat> so okay, people who are not super familiar, let me kind of catch you up on this. So Brandy Rhodes actually came out to the ring. She was cutting a promo, and Dan Lambert then comes out, cuts her off, et cetera, et cetera. Ethan Page comes out. Scorpio Sky comes back out. The two of them start going back back at it. He starts making some sexual innuendos. Um, and then all of a sudden, Ethan Page is smirking and smiling as he's kind of like hanging on the <coughs> ring ropes. Brandy Rhodes looks at him and goes, Ethan, it's so funny you think all this is so comical because the only reason we brought you in was because we could get closer to Josh Alexander. So, and, that, and that's just the, the, the cliff notes or what they call spark notes nowadays because my kids all read that because they don't like to read the novel. Anyway. Um, hey, spark notes have existed since I was in high school. Well, I knew I it as Cliff Notes. It, it, it basically, if you, if, if you choose not to read a novel, there's this little mini pamphlet that you can buy, and it basically they have them for every novel that's written. And it we have them here you, called uh, Cole's Notes because of the uh, copyright and all the, that. No, because of the um, there's a book retailer here called Cole's, and they call it Cole's Notes, and it's like you know okay. Cliff Notes, like yep, yeah. So th that's basically the cliff notes of, of what was happening here. So at the end of the day, here's my take. Um, I did not know prior to this that Dan Lambert was actually in Impact Wrestling. I did not know he did anything with Impact Wrestling. I didn't even know he was in wrestling prior to AEW, but evidently he was. I'm not a Dan Lambert fan. Um, I don't think necessarily he is fun to listen to. Uh, anyone else want to jump in on this? But I, I know you watch Dynamite. What's your take on Dan Lambert? Do you, do you feel like he brings anything? He entertains me. I, I like him. Uh, I, when Ethan Page talks, that part of it I generally don't care about. I don't mind Lambert. He's a, he's a jackass. And that's the character he's he's playing. I don't know if he's really a jackass. He might be a great guy. I don't know. But he plays the jackass character great. He's just an absolute ass He's ignorant, he's condescending, he's arrogant, he's just a dickhead. I like him. I I find him entertaining. Right? You, I have no problem with it. I didn't I'm two weeks behind on Dynamite. I've been a little bit busy, so I'm not quite caught up. But when he's on, I'll watch it. No problem. He had two segments on this past Dynamite, two. And I was like, wow. That might be a bit much. A little, I think the big thing people were talking about with AEW was it was supposed to be the promotion that was less talky talk, right? And I've noticed as of late, it's a little more talky talk, a little bit more. I mean, I'm not saying it's overly abundant, but there is more talking in and talking heads. Anton, I, we, people have done this before. They've taken a stopwatch and they've recorded how much actual wrestling happens in WWE programming 
And uh-huh. in a three-hour Raw, I think at one point in time, there was literally like 18 minutes of actual wrestling at one point. It was ridiculous. I'll try to pull it what? back up here. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, like 98, 99, Attitude Era, Russo, Crash TV. Yeah, he's serious about this. Just, just Like, there was maybe 20 minutes of actual ri- wrestling. Ridiculous. And, it's, and especially when they started to do the 24-7 thing, and everyone's running around in the ring, and it's just like, what, what are we doing here? But let me ask you this. Do you mind a lot of the soap opera talking, or do you say, have it, have it in chunks, space it out, but please don't bore me to tears? Balance. And the reason why I say this is, you know, part of definitely the love of the Attitude Era, where everyone wants to talk about how great the action is. Action of the Attitude Era, all in all, not that great. The Attitude Era is so great storyline and promo-wise. Right. Especially when you have, you know, Austin and Rock promo battles, Chip Taker things of that nature it's the soap opera actually the mel soap opera that sold most people on it that's what captivated most people's actual attention so i like it in doses when done right great never complained with a 20 minute start the show with an austin promo why because they were fucking good you yeah. know do i want a 20 minute south rollins promo mm, no nah, suck my dick <laughs> it's you know it's boring it's like pulling teeth because he doesn't believe what he's saying. He's reading a script, something that he rehearsed versus, you know, someone who goes out there and goes, fuck it. <laughs> Just here's some bullet points. Sell it. Fucking sell it. You know, one, one hand shit in the other. You have to have both. You have to fucking have both. Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Jake Roberts. You have to have both, but it has to be done right. And in this day and age, you know, we nitpick to death. They can give us everything we want. We're still going to shit on it. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> Liam, uh, are, are, are you are you there? Can you still hear us? It looks like uh... I'm I'm here. Okay, we, we, I just you're... I'm frozen on the screen. You're frozen, on... so hopefully you'll become unfrozen at some point. But you heard yeah. the you heard the you heard the question. Is there too much talky talk going on here right now? Recently with AEW, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if it's too much. It's kind of. Um... It's a wrestling program, right? They're going to have interviews. They're going to have segments. Uh, I yeah. I mean, if you're talking about like Lambert having two segments, that's a little much. Uh, we know he's a manager and all that. Um, he was, I think, good on the mic at one point, but it's become kind of scripted now, where it's it's like you almost expect to know exactly what he's going to say. You know, and that's that's when it starts to become a bit of a problem, and you should probably take them off there for a while. I don't know if they can, but um, this is really fucking pissing me off. I'm just frozen on here. Anyways. I was going to say, do you, do you want to jump off and jump back on? Because Sure, but right. Brandy Rhodes entertaining as far as her uh, promos because she's a fucking train wreck, and uh, uh, Lambert, uh, yeah, he's kind of run his course. I'll be right back. All right, so let me throw this out here at you. Um, we give a lot of credit to MJF, right? We say MJF is probably one of the best talkers there today. Now, with that being said, we've seen a lot of his body of work, especially with CM Punk and whatnot. I want to go around the, the, the horn here, and I want to ask everybody, is MJF really that great at being a talker? Or would we say he's above average, but I wouldn't put him in the upper echelon of elite talkers. But let me go to you first. 
Is he Stone Cold or The Rock, you mean? No. By today's standards, he's elite. I mean, he's great. He's an absolute prick. You want to see somebody beat the term because he's so ignorant. He's condescending. Sarcastic. He's got a smirk. He's your. He's a spoiled rich kid that you just want to see get beat up by somebody. Perfect. Love the character. By today's standards, he's an elite talker. If you put put him up against the greats, obviously Jake Roberts is the first one that comes to mind. He's average at best. So it, it depends on what your your criteria is. Yeah. Right. Who would you say, but in your opinion, who would you say is in that same category? Maybe not on the same level, but still in the same conversation as an MJF. Is there anybody else on the mic who, when they talk, you actually will pause and listen to what they have to say? Right now? Yeah. Uh, Jericho. I enjoy Jericho when he talks. Uh, I don't follow a lot of WWE, so for me, it'd probably be The Miz was the last one that comes to mind. For WWE, I, I think he's pretty good on the mic. Um, that's all that's coming to, to my mind right right at the current moment. It, there's not a lot of real strong talkers anymore. I, I don't agree. Think now. Definitely nothing agree. like there, there used to be. Definitely nothing like there was in the 90s or, or even before. And I wonder if the reason for that is because they have prioritized the whole wrestling aspect of it more than the the abilities to diversify themselves as a character, meaning promos and all of this stuff. Like, I don't feel like it's, it's any more the total package. It's more of, well, how many flips can I do? Or how many this can I do? Or Hurricane Rondas can I do? And I feel like the emphasis gets put on too much of one area, and it doesn't get spread out evenly. Um, you don't have to do all the flippy shit, but if you can talk and you're decent at wrestling, I would rather have that than have all of this Cirque du Soleil stuff, which, you know, people lose their minds on and have somebody who is more across all categories, a little bit more balanced. Uh, Liam, what's your take? Um, I, I think that he is upper tier as far as these days go. Okay. I'm just going to set it up like that. Uh, he is doing something right now that really nobody else is doing. Eh. Roman Reigns is getting very good at the heel promo because he talks down to people. He's very condescending, very egotistical. Uh, so if we look at a WWE level, there you go. But, I mean, the last person I can think of that might be comparable to MJF as far as promo in the modern era would be Samoa Joe. Because, you know, everybody knows he's a badass. And when he talked, you listened. And you really understood what he was saying because he's very eloquent when he talks. But, I mean, it, it's it's been a long time since the days of, like, say, I don't know, Shane Douglas. Uh, I'm just bringing up some of the other ones that people may not mention. But, you know, Shane Douglas, strong as hell. He may have swore a lot, but, man, you understood what the hell he was saying. Or if you want to go back further, Ole Anderson. Because I've been watching some of his stuff lately, and my god, like, if you can't believe what the hell that guy's saying, you will never believe it. Because he tells you exactly what he thinks, and he looks like a badass, he looks like he'd beat the shit out of you, and he would. 
And he says exactly what's on his mind. He gets to the point and he makes you believe. You need people to believe these days. MGF is very good at it. There are a lot of people that actually think he really is an asshole. However, kayfabe is dead. So if you have someone at that point right now, like MGF, that's actually making people start to go like, mm, yeah, there might be something there. He may mean some of that. Then, you know, that could be a good point to look at. But, I mean, as far as anybody else, you're not really going to find that these days because everybody knows it's an act. Right. Do you okay? So, just to make sure, whenever I hear Ole Anderson, the the first thing I think of is Sting. You're not a horseman anymore. You're not a horseman. Get out. You're not a horseman. Get out. Leave the it's, ring. It's just so funny. And Listen, he, okay, he's the epitome of get off my lawn guy. Is he not? Okay, but look at, <laughs> look at the uh, look at the promo about when, like he when he got dumped out of the horseman originally, in I think it was early '87. And because they were recruiting Lex Luger and he got dumped out. And so Tully Blanchard made some remark to him. Uh, Ole was in the ring and Tully makes some remark about his kid. And he said, what was that you said? And he's like, well, if you weren't paying so much attention to your snot-nosed kid and Ole just fucking belts him, beats the shit out of him. Comes back the next week, he's out of the horseman and he starts flipping the fuck out. And then Ric Flair's going back and forth on him. Ric Flair looks like he's having a fucking coronary like he usually does, but he was like especially nuts that day. But you know what I mean? It's like that, I'm just like, fuck, that's compelling, right? MJF is very compelling. Look at CM Punk, very compelling on the mic, but where's the line? You know, it, it's just a different time. It's a different time, and we can't expect it to ever be the same as it was before. That's all. That's That's all it is, you know? All right, I want to play something really Uh-oh. quick here. Um, Shoot an interview. Yeah. Hold, um, gosh, I don't know how I should pick this. Um, shoot, I just clicked off of it. Um, keep talking about promos. I got to pull something up. Uh, but so who, on the, who, on the note of this, sh- yeah. the uh, I like if we're talking about the MJF stuff. He's great. He's an asshole. Like, he actually makes me want to see him get his ass whipped, which is great. Because, like, the last person who actually got this amount of fucking heat with me off promos of where I'm like, I think this dude is a fucking dick and an asshole was probably JBL. <laughs> like, that mm-hmm. era of fucking Bradshaw, I love. I think it's great. Like, yeah. he's yeah. a fucking dick bag. Yes. And I love it. Eddie Guerrero is also great on the microphone. That whole era of fucking Eddie. It's too goddamn beautiful. Does not mm-hmm. get talked about enough. Period. Modern days. I like this era of Roman. I do. The most realistic Roman promo I think I've ever heard is that day he was like, I have cancer and my name is Joe. Where they took out the 80s yeah. fucking cheesy, shitty references and etc. And they just gave the man a fucking microphone. Let that dude be on TV every week and you have me sold a thousand percent. Because it, it's actually good. I like Moxley for whatever reason. Something about the just something about him as a person I can relate to. I guess it's the growing up a fuck up and fucked up situations. I dig it. Raven, Dreamer, love both of them. Raven. Two fucking Yeah, dude. Ra- Raven makes a comment about the basics and like punk in his comment about I thought I was good until I got in the ring with Raven and Eddie, right. and Raven made him slow the fuck down. Made yep. him everything has to have a purpose. Everything has to have a fucking reason. 
we've made the comment to Moondog, our entire group chat has. Excel at the fucking basics and nothing else yep. goddamn matters. I don't give a fuck how many flips you can goddamn do and fucking fly. I love the, like, Pete Dunn, the break your finger shit. I like shit like that. I want to, you, the New Japan shit. The, holy shit, this looks like a fucking fight. You need like, to talk yo. people into the building. That's the main thing, right? If you don't talk them yes. into the building, all you have is your athletic ability. So that'll only get you so far. Yeah. All right, with that and being said, I'm going to I'm, I'm play Ole Anderson here real quick. So this is going to be an audio there version of Ole Anderson. So just give it a second here. Here we go. Sit back and enjoy. Yeah. I wonder what it takes to be a great professional wrestler. Well, certainly it takes the stamina, takes the knowledge of wrestling, takes ability, takes a lot of guts or intestinal fortitude. But I think something that only Anderson has that a lot of other people don't have is the patience, the ability to wait. Patience and planning always pay off. Anybody that doubts that statement only has to think back a little bit to the wait that I made for Dusty Rhodes. A long time and a lot of planning went into it. And now I've made a list, a list of individuals that I intend to get. I'm at a point in my career when I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Those people that who have attempted to humiliate me or maybe embarrass me, maybe even beat me, those are the people that are on the list. And one of those people that I made public was Bill Watts, the big cowboy from Oklahoma. The man that I used to see out of the corner of my eye, I'd hear him coming down the aisles with that big stick. Well, Bill, your time has come. You don't run down the aisles so good anymore. You're hurt. You've been around maybe just a little bit too long, and I intend to shorten it. Watts, get ready. Start to worry. Start to sweat, because I'm coming for you. There we go, Ole Anderson. That's Ole not Anderson. even his best, and that's no. good. You know, it, 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 but that's good. amazing. That's just it. it. Yes, <laughs> that's not even close to being his best, and that's fucking great. That says you everything, know? though. You're like this. This is like lower tier, and it's still fucking phenomenal. There you go. Let me see if I can. Here, here we go. Um, this is Ole Anderson from 1981 being a part of the greatest tag team there is. Okay, here we go. Once again, enjoying Ole Anderson. God, I hope there's no commercial on this bullshit. In action also, Steve Kern. We'll be seeing uh, Tommy Wildfire Rich and a host of other great matches. All of this upcoming during the next hour. May I just say, of course, about uh, Tommy Rich. Uh, he and Ric Flair, uh, virtually uh, almost in a tie for first contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. Ric Flair, however, is the number one contender. Ric Flair will be with us next week here on Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh, Tommy Wildfire Rich, as we saw in action uh, in an earlier hour, we'll be seeing him back in action again. Uh, he and the Junkyard Dog have formed a coalition that promises to be one of the most exciting tag team combinations in professional wrestling. So we've got a lot of great action coming up during this next hour. We certainly hope that you will stay tuned. I want to take a moment, if I can, to talk to the uh, Anderson brothers, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Uh, they are unquestionably uh, uh, one of the most powerful teams uh, in the nation. Not one of the most powerful. We are the powerful, most powerful team. And you were talking about Junkyard Dog out here and Tommy Rich teaming up. They crawl in the ring with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. They don't have a chance, Gordon. And there's many, many other wrestlers. The superstar Paul Jones, Andre the Giant, Dusty Rhodes, Steve Kern, Steve O, the whole bunch of them. 
We'll last more than five, ten minutes with the Anderson brothers, the Minnesota Wreck Crew, the best t- wrestling team in the whole world. You know, there's no question in my mind. I listened to you talking about the number one contenders, talking about Flair, and talking about Rich. Then Gene mentioned the junkyard dog. You might as well throw Tony Atlas in there. Mr. USA. Well, look at Gene and myself. We've never competed in the USA title. If we did, we'd both be Mr. USA. We compete in wrestling. And we're the best wrestlers in the world. Gordon, you've seen us too many times to deny the fact that we are the greatest. You name them all. You put the Freebirds in there. You name the present world champions, Mr. Superstar and Paul Jones. You put in this Dibios kid who got hauled out like he deserved. You throw in Tony Atlas or you throw in wrestling number two. Put them all in the ring against us. See what happens. We don't do a lot of fancy moves, but what we do is better than anybody else, and we wrestle better than anybody else. Deny it. We got a guy out right here that's talking about how good we are, and you're absolutely right. And we got a couple people over here that don't know any better. Well, it's too bad that they're uneducated. If you ever get a chance to wrestle us, you better have your insurance policy paid up, get your hospitalization, because there's no question in our mind. We are going to beat you. You're looking at the next world heavyweight tag team champions right here, the Anderson Brothers. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Let's turn it over to Steve Borders. So that was, uh, and, and once again, that wasn't even the, the best. Um, no. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, do, do you remember any specific Ole Anderson uh, promos that you remember with it, like, just really, really good? Just after the breakup of the Horseman, basically, when he's going on about his son and everything and about how he values family over wrestling more than anything and really gets into it let me see if I i've can... been listening to a lot of those territory arn episodes with conrad so yeah i've actually been hearing a lot of these promos lately right so the fact that we're breaking this down here and i've been doing this on my own anyways obviously that's an era before my time so i while i know of it thanks to family and my mother and etc and because i'm a fucking nerd it it's still something i've slept on so to actually just hear it while I'm working, not see it, but hear it and fucking feel it, it's like, god damn, dude. Like, yeah, only sells the shit out of me. Like, and again, yes. it's nothing fucking fancy. It's like talking to a fucking grandpa from the fucking south. He'll just beat your ass. Right. So it 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 is what it is. I think it's great. And again, this isn't even his best shit. This is just, you know, subpar. Also, on the note of great promo men who make you want to beat their ass, Michael Hayes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've all slept on Michael Hayes. No, Michael I, Hayes, I haven't. I've never no, slept you know with Michael I mean? Hayes. Like, we didn't bring that up in this conversation. None, none of us Correct. brought this up in a fucking conversation. Correct. There was that, that one time. What? There was that one time. Yeah. There was that one time <laughs> yeah. that we slept with Michael Hayes. Do, do, do. But it's, you know, he's great. Gordy can fucking take the greatest ass whooping and fucking give one out, but Michael's the one who made you want to see the ass whooping. So, yes. fuck Michael, dude. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, another comment here. The Boogster uh, says, "I love Impact hired Lance Storm. I think he's a lot to share with the roster in a company that has to develop their talent uh, more than AEW, WWE. It's a good hire. Love to know what your thoughts are as far as overall Lance Storm as a coach. Uh, let's go first to the butt." Well, he's going to be a great coach for teaching promos. His interview skills are top notch. <laughs> he's top got tons of charisma. 
charisma out the asshole. No, no seriously, in the ring, Lance oh, yeah. amazing. He, he is a legit technician, but he could do the high flying. He can do the mat wrestling. He's 100% underrated because, unfortunately, he, he was never a very good talker. Always had a great look, dynamite in the ring. Poor bastard just couldn't talk a lick. And that's why he never really got over, really. But he, he's a great hire. He will help so much. They will do nothing but benefit from him. Just listen. Listen to what he has to say. You'll get better. If you want to be a knucklehead and not listen, well, stay the shits. If he had a third of Jericho's charisma and promo ability... He would have been a million dollars. And I mean that wholeheartedly because, like, okay, look at the fact that they were a tag team in Smoky Mountain. They came up together, etc. Jericho became the star simply because of his ability to do this. That's it. And that truly is part of it. Like, I actually think Lance is a much better fucking worker. But because of other than the Calgary, Alberta, Canada, that that's all, you know, that boring, you know, the whatever he called the WCW hardcore title, the shit belt. That's these are the things I think of when I think of Lance storm and Jerry and his duck, duck goose spot conversation where him and fucking Lance had that. And the time that him and Lance went to the wrong fucking town because of fucking map quest. These are the things that I think of when I think of Lance, when I think of Lance storm, if I'm being honest. Yep. So uh, let's, let's throw this into this conversation here as well. Um, you talk about two guys who talent, but didn't necessarily have the abilities to talk. Let's talk about the rockers. Okay. Sean Michaels developed into somebody who could talk. Marty Jannetty honestly was looked at by WWE better brass worker. as being really the guy who performed better, but he did not have the charisma that Sean did in realizing that you need to talk people into a building. They decided to put the rocket onto Sean's ass instead of Marty. And they were like, you know what? This guy's more of a total package. Edge and Christian. That's true. Matt and Jeff. Yeah. Well, so I mean, perfect you, examples. You but can I mean, Marty's got yeah. a lot of demons. Marty does and have I'm a lot. I'm sure that had a lot yes. to do with it too. He had some shit yes. going on. Like Sean was, he had his problems too. But man, Marty kept it in the lines better, right? Yeah, the lines of blow. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. You you know what I mean, smartass. You know, but that's no. You know, is, the edge Marty thing. just got offside, and I think that's what did him. How many sure. chances did he get? Because he could wrestle. Yeah. Marty Jannetty could wrestle. Dude, they just couldn't keep his shit together, unfortunately. You're right. Because Bruce says that. Yeah, they gave him like two so many chances, it's fucking stupid. You know, even into oh four, five, six, seven, like still trying to give the motherfucker chances because he's that good. Even that much later. Yeah, they were trying to I, I, they were, I or they tried. Uh, dude, I, I think they, they tried. They were going to bring him back for like developmental and shit, and just like dark matches, help jobbers, shit like that. You know, help people. And yeah. you know that's why they did the little bit of stuff with him and Sean, and the stuff with him and Angle leading to the match at Mania, stuff like that. But yeah, like that's why they continued to still to give him chances, even into oh four five, like yeah. even in the last you know decade, really. And he just still, like you said, he cannot keep his shit together. He's got too many demons. And 
Tough. That says some shit in the world of pro wrestling. When you are that goddamn good that they'll give you 150 fucking chances, but you're that fucked up that you fucking can't keep it together? Fuck. You know, it just, it's unfortunate. It, it is. It's sad, dude. It really is sad, but it's one of those things, you know, again, I mean, the only comparisons I can make are Matt and Jeff and Edge and Christian. Matt's a better worker and Christian is a better worker, but Edge had more charisma in the end and was a better talker. And Jeff had more charisma in the end. And I won't say he's a better talker. He's just got that fucking whatever magic it factor, whatever. He makes bitches fucking scream and dudes are like, hey, he's cool. So it works. Making, making bitches scream and dudes go, he's cool. I love it. I love it. It's the only way I can put it. <laughs> no, I know it, it. It makes sense. Um, if you're just joining us right now, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Front Row Material. This is the uh, the After Dark, the panel. I am Mike Freel along with The Butt um, from Canada. We have Liam from Canada inside his Tribal. garage. We have Tribal. Anton in his studio. And you have me sitting in the dead ants chair as always, you know. So much fun on a Tuesday night to get together with everybody and, and talk wrestling and whatnot. And we talked about a bunch of things, but you know what? It's about to strike midnight. You know what that means, kids? It means my big ass needs to be getting into bed. So without further ado, let's go ahead and let's do our fairly wells. Let's go ahead and let's throw it over to the butt first. But what's on your mind? Uh, anything in particular? The floor is yours. No, nothing really on my mind. Um, no. Be good to each other. Don't be a scumbag. If you want to follow me on Twitter, <coughs> at Gottnoof2291. Uh, hopefully, Rick's doing well. And have a good night. Let's go ahead and let's throw it uh, to Mr. Anton. Anton, what's your thoughts? And by the way, last week, you got the episode named after you. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't. I need to go yeah, back. Yeah, it, it was called Anton's Return. <laughs> so there you go. How about Sweet. that? Sweet. I need to definitely go peep this out. Um, another day, another dollar, another, another beat to make. Just, it is what it is. I'm here, so taking this all the day at a time. But are you building a monster truck? Where is the situation going? I need to know that. Fuck my life at this moment. I need to know where you're going. <laughs> like, yo, did he just have my like portfolio here, from like a dealership? Yeah, the man's like, got hold schematics. On. No, I got it here somewhere. What's this? Here? Thank you, bitch. Yeah, let's go. No, that's, the, that's the fifth wheel I'm making. Well, he has me, Mikey, and Travis were all like monster trucks. Yo. Re really quickly, so, Boog, you can go fuck yourself because we're going to be in the Super Bowl <laughs> next year. Nothing said. Let's go ahead and let's go so full this screen. This is on. the schematics for the monster truck I'm making. Uh, we'll eventually get to. I mean, I'm making a bus right now as well. And well, hold on, hold boats. on. You're hold on. Hold. You just don't breeze over something like this. You just said you're making a fucking bus. A wooden bus. I'm not. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were like, bus. like a fucking Beatles tour I'm bus. I'm like, what the hell? Have on my hands. I have I'm no idea. You're yeah. the one trying to build something that's going to go on top of Cobalt Hall again with Hogan and the Giant. Uh, so you're going to build a monster truck. So what? What was the inspiration behind this? Just wanted. I haven't made one yet, so I figured I'd give it a try. Why not? <laughs> Okay, most people say coasters or something. I haven't made that yet. Before. Oh, I, mean, I haven't I, done that. I'm in a picnic uh, well, table. I'm going to make a monster truck. Like, that's a little out there. Well, I mean, I, I made three train sets on the weekend. Uh, I made eight boats now, I think, or maybe nine altogether. I don't know how many cars and trucks. And I'm working on a tractor trailer right now and a bus and a monster truck. Look at you. 
So you're you're going to have to stop off at Liam's house and, and pick him up Why? in your monster truck. I'm making a wooden monster truck, man. It's oh, it's wooden? Oh, I thought it was going to be yeah, like... Yeah, I'm oh. building Bigfoot in my driveway. I didn't know. I, I thought you were <laughs> literally going to buy a truck and then put huge suspension and tires on it and whatnot. I already it, I I didn't Mike Freeland. I didn't God damn know. it, Mike Freeland. Okay. Okay, I can win the douche award this week. You That's pay fine. about as much attention as my wife does. Huh? You pay as good as... Yeah. <laughs> Fucking guy. I think your wife pays more attention. Let's go <laughs> ahead and let's throw it over to our good friend Tripod. Uh, you know, you got to be pretty confident to have a name like that. What, what are we clocking in at right here? Do you want inches or do you want the time we've been on the air? What are you talking about? I'm just... Okay, <laughs> what, what are we just... Wait, you're gonna what, it be centimeters? Uh, I'm not gonna no, it's inches. It's inches. But centimeters here, Canadian. but sure. It's centimeters. Yeah, but it, see? It's centimeters. I can measure mine in centimeters too. Uh let's go God ahead. Damn it, Freeland. I know. Hey, don't mess with me. Uh you only need the mushroom head to get the job done. That's what the uh fertility doctor says. So let's go ahead and let's throw it over to Liam. What's on your mind? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Holy fuck! How do I follow that? Um, I've Just got send the show, Liam. Fuck that's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I got some stuff going up on YouTube. I'm actually uploading it right now. Uh, I've got a rare um, Chris Jericho Lance Storm match from Canadian Rocky Mountain Wrestling that is not online. And I'm going to try to tag them in it so I don't have what happened with the Edge Bret Hart video. And you, uh, you didn't get credit for that. And that went God, like no. global. No. And that should have. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. Um, but if uh, anybody wants to follow me, go to Savage Liam on Twitter. My link tree is right there. I have everything up there. I also added my eBay page. Um, not selling anything at the moment. I was. Nobody bought. So fuck them all. And uh, yeah, there you go. What are you selling? Yeah, what are you selling? I didn't realize you had an eBay page. What are you selling? Uh, yeah, I hadn't, hadn't sold anything on it since like 2008. Uh, I have like uh, some videotapes that I was trying to sell. Those didn't go. I've got a bunch of knickknacks and shit. I've got um, actually, but I've got two Doug Gilmore bobbleheads that I'm going to be putting up there. So well, there you go. Get a hold of me first before you put that money. <laughs> now look right. at this. The, the the butt loves to get in on a good deal. So what oh do I God. search on on eBay for you? Just what do I search? Oh, uh, like I said, go to my link tree. I don't even know what the fuck name I put anymore. So, What's so I can't put tree? Liam Savage and find it. I don't know. Maybe. Just go to my link tree on my uh, Twitter. Well, I'm on my computer right now. So right. Not, so I'm you go to Twitter. Twitter. And you okay. go on my profile, and then there's my link tree. Gosh, you peckerwood. Hold on. I, I'm not a peckerwood. I'm not the fucking one that's got to look for it right now. You are. I'm just trying to find it because I would like to see what you have for sale. Nothing link, right now, like I already just, said. Link tree. Here we go. Here we go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> fuck. Good God. Instagram, oh, yada, yada. Fuck, okay, here we go. Another one. Why not? <laughs> what is he selling? Doesn't respond to emails. Doesn't send item after payment. Do not bid for him. Yeah, that was 15 years ago, and the person was lying. So, meanwhile, I got like 100, percent you know, on everything else. So, well, I followed your link tree, and that's exactly what it took me to. 
Right. I'm just saying that's their feedback. They right. said but I didn't send something, which I did. So Where are the products? They are not being sold right now, like I said, because yeah, I don't have anything up. Just said he's got nothing for sale. Like three Sweet times. Baby Jesus. Turn up your hearing aids, pops. Just trying to see if I can uh, purchase. I'll something. put some stuff up tomorrow just for you. Thank I'll you. I'll put up some fucking Kenny Omega figures or something. But he won't pay for them. You know what? No, that's, that's you true. know what? That's enough. My gosh. You know what? It's porn for him, basically. So let's just <laughs> finger bang. Yeah. There so you go. here, Boog made a, a comment earlier. Oh, did he? Great. No, what a road scholar he is. All right. It was actually that's what's going on here. Uh, we got an Amber Alert here in Ontario. Mm-hmm. So just got it. He made a, a good comment. Freeland, you're actually losing weight. No. How can you tell? I look like it. Yeah. Well, I well, appreciate. Yeah, you that. look like it. Legit. Well, thank you. That's very thoughtful of you guys. Thank you. I am. I am not. Um. Uh. Just under a lot of tremendous amount of stress. Um. But I do appreciate that. Thank you very very much. Um. Ooh, I tell you what, um, life has been very challenging, uh, and I will say this, now that I'm venturing into charter, uncharted territory for myself, understanding what other people have experienced and gone through, especially other couples, um, man, multifaceted situation when it comes to family planning. I just, uh, it, it'll break your heart. It'll break your heart and it'll mess with your mind. And I think we all can, can speak from that. I mean, hmm. You uh, you just got to keep yourself distracted, but mom only folk call away, Freeland. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Um, but no, but thank you very much, Boog. I do appreciate that. I, I I take back my comment about you being a road scholar. Maybe you are. I don't know. What me? You are as well, but but thank you. I appreciate that. Hurt my feelings. Well, I I, I would not want to do that. I wouldn't want you to get butt hurt. So. That was a bad pun. That was a oh, bad pun, on. dude. Come on, I'm the get off your lawn guy. Come on, I'm taking Oleander. You are, but that was that was bad. It was. All right, for uh, the Ritster, we're still thinking about you, buddy. Hope you're doing well. Nothing but love to you. Um, please send messages out to the Ritster, just letting him know how much you appreciate him and how much you know he's meant to this brand and how much he's meant to all of us with keeping everything going here. Um, just taking some time off taking care of a few things so he's still going to be around he's definitely a huge part of what we do um but you know what sometimes it's got to take a little time you got to take a little time for the butt for anton for liam myself and our amazing guest that we had this week i cannot thank you enough continue to support the show as we support you this has been front row material good night everybody god damn it gary Stops.